Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everyone, this is Bob. I'm just jumping in at the beginning of this episode to let you know that we had a little bit of sound interference whilst recording this one. Uh, so there's a slight buzzing underneath Becca's microphone every now and then. Um, it's not noticeable all the way through. And I've done my best to, to remove that noise and um, lay music underneath uh, when relevant to uh, mask some of it. It shouldn't hamper your enjoyment of the episode too much. Uh, it's still a really good one. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. And I'm just letting you know that we are aware of it and it shouldn't be uh, on future episodes. Thanks. <laughs> The Wolf of Wall Street, they call me. Hey, you're listening to Known For, a filmography podcast with me, Becca, and my co-host. Hey, this is Bob Shoy. Windy. It's blowing a gale outside, so uh, hopefully there's not too much wind noise. I'll probably be able to remove it. So this week we, well, the past couple of weeks actually, we've been watching lots of Leonardo DiCaprio films. Yes. Uh, this was your choice. Yep. Why did you choose Leonardo DiCaprio? Um, I didn't mean that to sound so accusatory, by the way. <laughs> I have enjoyed these films. But yeah, why did you choose? I think it's just somebody like Tom Hanks. We just have to like tick off the list. Yeah. He's got a lot of back catalogue. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah, he deserved to get our teeth into the filmography and stuff. You say he's got a big back catalogue. Yeah. He actually doesn't have that big a back catalogue. Well, it's, it's just like, they're very famous films. Yeah. yeah. He's got a lot of like f- like really famous, like high caliber. Film. Yeah, because he's had a number of like hiatuses. You'll see there's been like times where he hasn't done films for a few years between mm. each one and stuff. But this was also like a really requested one. Yeah. A lot of listeners had said, when are you going to do Leo? Yeah. Um, now. So now, yeah, the answer's now. <laughs> Keep listening. So yeah, his... I didn't realise... Um, I think before I undertook this actor on, I didn't realise he'd been in films so young. Right, okay. Like so, he'd done way more child acting than, I've, than I first thought. Yeah, same actually. I knew he had been a young actor, but um, I hadn't seen many films of him being young. So because mo- we'd already seen a lot of his yeah. more modern films, a lot of the ones that we've been watching for the first time are his like younger performances. He's really good. Yeah, We'll we'll talk about this as we go, but it seems like he's had a few different like phases of his career. Yeah, he had like the young. He was really good, like when he was really young. Yeah, and then he kind of became a less interesting like teen heartthrob actor for a while. 
Yeah, I think maybe he just got a bit typecast. Yeah. Because of his, like, appearance. Yeah, and then he sort of became this uh, respected figure once he started working with acclaimed directors like, you know, Martin Scorsese and, and stuff. I think that's, I don't know, Leo, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what he always, like, wanted to do because mm. he played really, really interesting characters when, when he was, he was young. younger. It's and interesting. Think- when Sorry, when he was really young, he was really good. Mm. And when he was like an older teen, he was still really good, but sometimes it felt like he was trying a bit too hard. I felt like he wasn't that fast. Yeah, like, but I I'm, felt like he I'm was talking a bit about, like, um, oh God, like I'm just in this, not in this like crappy film, but like I'm just in this, He said he I'm felt only ob- here because of my looks kind of thing. He said he felt objectified in that yeah. era. But I'm talking about before that. Right. So the era between like him being a child... And mm-hmm. him being the heartthrob, the older teens, the uh, Basketball Diaries, yeah. Total Eclipse era, it felt like some of them performances were like he's trying a bit too hard to mm. be like, I'm respectable, I'm older right. now. And he was good in a lot of those films, but it feels like he's going for roles intentionally so he can like try hard. That's not a bad thing, I guess. No, I know. Well, it, it, we'll see that the River Phoenix comes up quite a lot. Mm. Um, and one of our listeners, Neil, actually, he messaged us and he was saying, like, he felt like it, he was sort of in River Phoenix's shadow a little bit. Right. And that sort of comes up. There's a number of films where it's like River Phoenix was the first choice. And then they went with Leo. Leo stepped in. Either because mm. River Phoenix got too old or after it was after Phoenix's passing. Or, mm. um, but that's interesting. He was like hot on the heels of River Phoenix. He mm-hmm. It's like he wanted to be him. Mm. Uh, what to be respected in that in the way that he was mm. but yeah he has had these number of phases and i guess we'll go through that as we go through his films yeah uh something interesting that i found out about him which i wasn't aware of before right his parents are of german descent that's cool um his uh one is german and one is like italian german i think okay and uh his middle name is actually wilhelm leonardo wilhelm dicaprio cool. which is his named after his grandfather that's really cool yeah uh, but he's been in a number of films, a number of very highly respected films. It took him, he's been Oscar nominated many, many times. Took him quite a while to actually win one. Mm. Uh, he's been in loads of films that were nominated for Best Picture, even mm-hmm. if he wasn't, his performance wasn't nominated. Um, he's very now uh, passionate about environmental issues. Yeah. He talks out about that, a lot of that sort of thing and uh, puts money into those sort of um, causes. Causes, yeah. exactly. He's donated millions. Mm. Um, Amazing. I, I stopped, I, I was doing a little bit of research and the point I'd got to was like $2 million of donations. Christ. And I was like, okay, that's enough. Like, but there's, it's beyond that. Mm. Uh, so that's quite a lot. Uh, but what would you say? We normally say like things we noticed about the sort of characters they tend to play or the sort of performances. Is there anything you've noticed? It's hard to pin him down because he's yeah. so varied. It's really hard to pin him down. He's super varied. He does play like a few, like all his characters are like very like charismatic. Uh, yeah. Quite like suave. Like most of them. Okay, not all of them, but like I think if you're going to give him like a, that's interesting. Thing, I hadn't I picked up on that, but when you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. He does like, yeah, almost like the suave. We talked about some of Sam Rockwell's characters where he's always like dancing onto mm. a screen. He does do a bit of that. Yeah, I've got that. He often plays sort of 
conflict characters that are battling with like some sort of confliction, mm. like in a, like a lot of inner demons in some in a lot of his characters. Yeah. Um, haunted characters like dealing with stuff, trying to just like work through mm-hmm. an, an issue in the head, mm. and whilst maintaining a normal outward perception. Mm. Like like what like um. Revolutionary Road, you mean? Revolution Road, Basketball Diaries. Mm. Um, we haven't watched it yet, but Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few where he's dealing with some sort of inner turmoil, mm. and uh, as he continues, well, maybe on. then like the other half is like yeah, like suave kind yeah, of like. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, what are his um, top four on IMDb at the moment? His known four films. So they are Inception, The Departed, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Titanic. Okay, so uh, as usual, we'll talk about those four films Mm -hmm. before taking a break and delving right back to the beginning of his back back catalogue and working through the ones that we've watched or seen. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Just uh, before we do go into those known fours, I just want to say, I know this was our most requested episode, but we had loads of um, suggestions and recommendations Mm. and input from listeners on this one. So I uh, really appreciate that. I'll try and remember to uh, give people like shout outs where I can. But like a lot of the, especially the earlier films where I didn't know much about those films or, mm. or which ones to watch. We don't have time to watch all of them. Yeah, they can get missed, can't they, the early stuff? Cause... Yeah, there's quite a few that we watched based on people's suggestions or and recommendations. they're quite pivotal, I think, like in his career, like kind of really uh, springboarded him yeah. to and some bigger some stuff. Some I really liked as well. And others, even if I didn't like them, were definitely interesting watches. Mm. So. So thanks, everyone, and uh, we'll try and remember to give you a shout-out when we can. But the first one was Inception. Yeah. I haven't seen this for a few years, but I remember loving it when it came out. I've seen it a few times. As did, like, everybody. Yeah. I've seen it enough that I didn't need to re-watch it for this over ones that I hadn't seen at all. Mm. But I do love this film. Yeah. It's so good. It's a really nice ensemble piece. Like, he doesn't... He doesn't feature that many in ensemble pieces. Like, there's not a ton of, like, ensemble pieces that he does. No, he's normally the clear lead. Like, he is the lead in this, but there is, like, a big cast. Yeah. Um, But this is, I think, the only time he's worked with Christopher Nolan, right? I think so. Yeah, and there there was, like, a bit of a backlash on Christopher Nolan. It felt like everyone loved him, and then all of a sudden everyone was saying he was overrated. Mm. And I really like Christopher Nolan's films. I think sometimes things are enjoyed by lots of people because they're good and people like to just shit on it so as it makes them look interesting but mm. I don't know there was a, like a bit of a backlash but despite that Inception is a really really good watchable film mm. and one that is uh, sort of I feel like people think of it as a very confusing film like oh, I had no idea what was going on right I think this it's is a really very straightforward film mm. um, Ellen Page's character is basically there to be the person they explain what is happening to yeah just all the scenes of her in just listen to what they're telling her you, it's not hard to follow along they mm. explain the film to her as it goes mm. I think it was really like the ideas were really conceptual at the time and mm. like the way that it was filmed was really unique and and the Hans Zimmer score yeah. was very unique at the time that he wrote for this mm. and became like iconic. a trope mm. yeah it became iconic now everyone rips it off the bump. Yeah, uh, that's in like everything. There's not. It's sort of dying down now, but for a long time, that was just like generic action mm. movie score. Mm. Uh, but in this, it was different and cool and exciting. Yeah, and it worked. And this was his first time working alongside Tom Hardy. Right. Uh, he'd work alongside him again in The Revenant. Yeah. 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 
That's cool. Uh, but yeah, I don't actually have a lot of notes for Inception, just like, I really like this film. Yeah. I've not That's seen it. it for a while, so I'm trying to rack my brain about it, but... Um, there wasn't really any interesting trivia about it. It's just like, people just like this film. Yeah. Including me. Yeah. Uh, so we watched... Uh, the next one on the list is The Departed. Yes, which I'd seen before, I'd but not. this was your first time. Yeah. So what did you think of The Departed? I liked it. It was a great, like, kind of misdirect... Not misdirect, but like a... There's like moles in there and like the, yeah. in, there's a mole in the police and there's a mole in this light gang. And um, it's really cool to see him and Matt Damon like kind of trying to like suss each other out. And yeah, like it's, it's like a cat and mouse, you isn't know it? who the mole is on both sides mm. and you're watching them. Yeah, and like the stakes are quite high. Mm. And um, Jack Nicholson's just like fantastic in it. He's really like foreboding. Yeah, he's he crazy. said himself. I said I saw a thing with Jack Nicholson. I'm written it down, but he said something like, "This is the most like pure incarnation of incarnation of evil character that I've played. Like I had to play him. He's like a demon." Yeah, yeah, it's really good. So that was really good. Cool. I thought um, Leonardo was amazing in it. He was the perfect balance of like putting on a front. He is a policeman, but obviously he's undercover, and he doesn't quite fit. Like the cookie cutter police role. So he described this character as um, playing this character as, quote, a constant 24 hour panic attack. Mm. He's like on the edge the yeah. whole time and always worried about getting found out. Yeah. Stressed out about the situation. Like every, he's always just almost like shaking. He's like too far in as well. Yeah, he's like yeah. so deep um, in this like mafia organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, his performance was really great because you can sort of see his like conflict at all times. Whereas. On the other hand, Matt Damon's pretty much in the same situation, mm. but he's quite—he's more c- calm, calm and collected, and collected. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole time, because he's just like fuck these guys. Mm. Whereas, the, and the police will never like he's, cut he's off much your more head, in control. or cut off your hand, or like shoot you, or whatever, because you're a mole. They'll just like arrest you. So his yeah. like involvement—the risk for him is a lot less than the risk for Leo, mm. and it definitely plays out in their performance of it. I had seen this about ten years ago, mm. the first time. Oh, spoilers, by the way. And uh, no, <laughs> I don't think any of that's too bad because um, all that stuff's sort of set up quite early in the film. Mm. But uh, oh, yeah, I'd seen this like ten years ago, right? And I remember really liking it. Yeah. And uh, when it came to this, like, I, re- I will rewatch that because I remember yeah. liking it. Um, and I liked it even more this time mm. around. I was like, wow, I really this is a really really good film. Yeah. So you said about him working alongside Jack Nicholson. Mm. Um, so an interview of him where he talked about. Working alongside Jack Nicholson. Okay. He said that uh, the one-on-one scene that he has with him. Yeah. Where they're, you know, Jack Nicholson's trying to like suss him out a little bit. Yeah. In that scene where in the in the bar he said um, that, that is one of the most memorable moments of his life, filming wow. that scene. Like that's a real highlight of his whole career. Wow. And it's a great scene. Yeah, it is. Just because of his, like Jack's presence kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his performance was really good. You accused me once. Put up with it. You accuse me twice. I quit. You pressure me to fear for my life, and I will put a fucking bullet in your head as if you were anybody else. Okay? You got something you wanna ask me? Look, he's 70 years old, Frank. I'm just saying, okay? One of you guys is gonna pop you. 
one of you guys is gonna pop yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As for running drugs, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? You don't need the money or the pain in the ass, and they will catch you. I haven't needed the money since I took Archie's milk money in third grade. Is this, is this something that you just want to go ahead and ask me? Because I'll give you the fucking answer, all right? Frank, look at me. Look at me. I'm not the fucking rat, okay? I'm not the fucking rat. Start with you agree there is a rat. You said there is one, all right? I base most of what I do on the idea that you're pretty fucking good at what you do. Sure. So this was him. Also, he's... Uh, one of his co-stars of this is uh, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Who he worked with very early on in his career in yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Basketball Diaries. Yeah. And like we said, with a lot of the other actors we've covered, mm. it's interesting to see the other actors they work alongside with again and again. Mm. Yeah. Um, they like pop up, sort of like how some actors, they just come full circle with mm, others and they mm. kind of like weave in and out of each other's lives. kind of. Yeah. They were both very young in Basketball Diaries. And by mm. the time this came out, they were both, um, both had like well-respected well careers. Yeah, careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting to see them together again. Mm. Um, but the the role that Leo plays in this was originally intended for Tom Cruise. Okay, which I found interesting. Um, and it was supposed to be uh, Matt Damon's character was supposed to be Brad Pitt. So it's supposed to be Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, but mm. yeah, it completely got changed around in development. Okay, but that would have been a very different film. I can kind of see. I'm not a massive Tom Cruise fan, but I can mm. kind of imagine him in that role. Weirdly. Mm. Um, but he didn't get a nomination for this. Right. Um, the film was nominated for so many awards in the Oscars that year. Actually, it won Best Picture, but his performance wasn't nominated. Oh, no. Because the studio, it came out the same year as Blood Diamond. Right. And the studio preferred his performance, his in, performance Blood in Blood Diamond. So he got right. put forward for that. So, That's annoying. Yeah. I thought he was great in this. Yeah. I, I, th- I think he's better in this than he was in Blood Diamond. Yeah. But, you know, that's the studio's choice, isn't it? Damn. Um, and... He didn't win. Like he, uh, it was actually Forrest Whitaker that ended up winning that year. Okay. So, right. Should we move on to Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, sure. So the other, the other thing is, well, this is actually works because uh, Wolf of Wall Street is also directed by Martin Scorsese, as is The Departed. Oh, okay. And they've worked together so many times over their career. Yeah. And um, early in his career, Leo had always said that Martin Scorsese was his favorite director. Mm. So then, when they finally ended up working together. They really gelled anyway. Mm. And it was Robert De Niro who recommended to Scorsese, check out this young actor, Leo, when he was really young. Right. Because they, Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio started alongside each other in This Boy's Life. Yeah. Um, and then when Scorsese finally checked him out, he was like, oh yeah, he's really good. Kept an eye on him for years. And then finally they worked together and then they just worked together. On and off. On and since. off for years. They're still making films together. Mm. So, um, But yeah, Wolf of Wall Street. The Wolf of Wall Street, they call me. Look. Your hair looks good. My hair looks good. Yeah. Jordan Belfort, sounding like a kind of twisted Robin Hood who takes from the rich and gives to himself and his merry little band of brokers. Read that. Read it. Listen, there is no such thing as bad publicity, sweetheart. Read the article, baby. Jordan, you look great. Yeah, crazy, crazy film. Crazy good film. Mm Leo is great in this. He's such a prick. Yeah, he is. This was um, not that this needs a recommendation, but this was really like, you know, make sure you talk about Wolf of Wall Street in detail uh, from one of our listeners, uh, Chris Ski on Twitter. Um, but this is one of his favorites. <laughs> it's so good. I've not seen it in a while again. Like I've seen it a few times, um, but it's super memorable. It's just like really sleazy. 
like the whole feel of them like and it's so good because it's so accurate they're just like yeah i kind of uh, stockbroker life living it living it large living it on the edge like just being crazy and taking risks and fucking shit up <laughs> i i don't actually love this film as as much as a lot of other people do right so it sounds like you like this film more than me i i think i've got a love hate with it like i don't like people i don't like watching people be assholes but I respect that it's a great film that depicts that. Yeah, I really like sort of a character to relate to in a film. Like, mm. who's who's the guy I can cling to as like, he's the he's the guy I like. Right, yeah, there's none of um, that. But there's none <laughs> of that. I suppose The Departed, which I love, doesn't really have any nice characters. Yeah, I'd probably say like Leo's character is the only one. Because you know he's... In The Departed. Good, yeah, you know he's good. Yeah, I suppose like, so. Yeah, he is more so. He's secretly good. You're right, actually. But in this, there's no one they're nice. They're all horrible. And I really... I, I struggle with films like that where it's like... Well, they're all assholes. I, I struggle with that yeah. in TV as well. A lot of people love the show Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Right. And a lot of people... like my, my friends of mine love that show. And I try and watch it. And I just like, these are all assholes. They're there's like, nothing, that's the point. And there's I'm no like, redeeming <laughs> factor. Like characteristics of any of these exactly that aside i do agree with you that leo is fantastic in this film yeah like he's really good he's really sleazy he's he's a monster yeah (laughs) but he's so like suave and like charming about it that's what's like the most disconcerting thing because it's like jesus you're such an ass but you do it so well. <laughs> mm. And he was rightly nominated for this, but didn't win again. Mm. This is like, it was years before he won his Oscar. Um, mm. This was another one he was nominated for. Yeah. But this um, actually has a lot of similarities with a film I do like a lot, um, mm-hmm. which he also had Leo, which was Catch Me If You Can. Oh, uh, yeah. Because they're both um, based on autobiographies of real people mm-hmm. who were men who eventually were caught a fraud yeah. and ended up um having intertwinings with the fbi right yeah so yeah. there's a real similarity between these two films mm-hmm. but this one really cut sort of this was a lot of work for him and this really he actually ended up having um a two-year break after this film because yeah. he was exhausted he, he, through exhaustion he had two years off of work after doing mm-hmm. this film and that was like a pattern that happened quite a lot now he still has like breaks between films it feels like mm. and this was the one that really started that for him well yeah you can tell that he really like threw himself into this role like he really embodied the character he was playing Mm. and it and it comes across that's why it's so like riveting to watch the whole thing like i can't you can't just get up and make a cup of tea in the middle of it you've got to just and it's long it's a long film you've got all the scores as your films you know it's really um yeah enthralling watch so good so you listen to me and you listen well are you behind on your credit card bills Good! Pick up the phone and start dialing. Is your landlord ready to evict you? Good! Pick up the phone and start dialing. Does your girlfriend think you're a fucking worthless loser? Good! Pick up the phone and start dialing. I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich! All you have to do today is pick up that phone and speak the words that I have taught you. And I will make you richer than the most powerful CEO in the United States of fucking America. And this is one that, like I said, this isn't one of my favourites, even though I think it's fantastic. I do think it's one that everyone should watch. Right, yeah. It's just not one that I would be, like, re-watching mm. in a hurry. Um, but he was paid a hell of a lot. I think this was his biggest payday for a film, or has to be up there. He was paid a quarter of the film's entire budget for this role. Oh, no, sure. uh, So he was paid $25 million for this role. 
Worth every penny. <laughs> I mean, that's a hell of a lot of money. No wonder you could afford to have a two-year break. Yeah. If I got paid twenty-five million for anything, I'd have a, be having a rest of my life break. Yeah. <laughs> and then finally, what's the last one? Titanic. I um, don't know if I've heard of this one before. Actually. <laughs> so this is our first watch. Yeah, neither of us had seen this film before. I've gone like many, many years without seeing this. Twenty-three one. years ago, this came out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a film. I've got. I thought it was too late for me to watch this film. I like it's done. I don't need to see this film. Mm. But you know, he dragged us into it. So finally, watched Titanic. Mm. What did you think? It was alright. Yeah, it was alright. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I felt. Okay, like seriously though, um, obviously, being uh, on the internet, mm. you see a lot of Titanic stuff, mm. like memes, people chatting about it. General stuff that you pick up over the years of just like oh, the gen- general stuff, plot yeah. line and bits that happen. Totally didn't know that it started in like present day. Oh, me neither. I was like, are we watching the right film? Yeah. I so didn't know it was a flashback. That one came out of the blue. Um, which I was just like, oh, thank fuck. Something, something interesting. <laughs> like it's not. I was like, oh, actually I might, might enjoy this because I actually don't know as much about it as I thought I did. Mm. So that was good. And I like the way that it was like a flashback and stuff. Um, I finally know where that meme, the it's been 84 years thing comes from. Yeah. I thought that was from Cocoon. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever I have a break from podcasting, people always uh, tweet that meme when I say I've got a new episode coming up and then I never knew where it's from and now I do. It's been 84 years. Now you can place it. There we go. So Um, all you people who've been tweeting Bob. This one was recommended by a listener in case we weren't going to watch it. In case we uh, so this it's was recommended one. by <laughs> one of my co-hosts from my show. This is recommended by Beef, who described it as an overlooked gem that we should check out. <laughs> overlooked gem, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. It was fine. Like it was, it's um, it's Leonardo in a tropey role at a tropey time in his life. I think they just like basically used all of him to his advantage. Like, it felt like two mind. films to me. Mm. And I'd had it described to me as that before. So the way I'd had it described to me before is like, it's like watching two films. The first half is like a by-the-numbers kind of so-so romance film. Yeah. And the second half is a pretty good James Cameron action film. When, spoilers, Titanic starts sinking and it gets interesting. Yeah, like, and it really did feel like the film changed. When it hit that iceberg, boom, it suddenly I was suddenly engaged. Like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And like, a lot of tense scenes. Yeah. And stuff I didn't know. Like, I'd seen so much of the film in clips and parodies, like you said. Mm. I felt like I'd already seen it. But there were moments in that second half where I was like, oh, I didn't know this happened. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It still had some surprises, which is good. Yeah. So the internet hasn't totally spoiled it. No. Um, if you haven't seen it, go ahead. So I got a few little notes about Titanic. Mm. I mean, there was, there's a, I, I couldn't research all day. There's I just felt like the second half of the film, it must have been a slog to film. Yes. Oh my god. Getting wet all the time. So Literally, how long is the film? Um, three and a half hours, something like that. It's three hours, 15 minutes long. How long? Three hours, 15 minutes. Right. They're probably in the water for two hours, 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, like, once it hits a point, they're just in the water all the time. It's mad. Yeah, and I saw a thing that Leo was like, oh, I hated being in the water, it was too cold. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. Like, like he scenes- didn't like it at all. Like, Kate uh, Winslet. It's just like getting she was it. like, "Well, actually, the cold water's helping me get into the scene. Like, mm. it would be cold." Where he was just like, "I fucking hate this cold water." <laughs> Isn't he like blue in one scene? Like, he's really, oh, he well, like... that's that's near the end. Oh yeah, yeah, crazy. So the first scene they had to film for this, right? 
was the scene where Kate's laying naked on the chaise lounge in front really? of her. Really? Yeah. Icebreaker. Exactly. Hey. So she was a little bit, oh, Nervous. this is a bit awkward. This is the first time I'm meeting him, first time we're filming together. Yeah. So when they met, knowing that that scene was coming up like that day or the next day or whatever, right. to just get it out of the way, when they first met, she flashed him. <laughs> nice. <laughs> just to break the ice. Oh, boom. Uh, just to break the iceberg. Because <laughs> um, she knew that that was their first scene, yeah. Uh, what else can you do, to be fair? Well done. Um, that scene <laughs> where, which I found kind of cringy, where he's at the front and he shouts, I'm the king of the world. Yeah. That was an ad lib. That wasn't even in the script. Really? Yeah. And that's considered one of the most like famous lines from films or whatever. But Leo just did that at the time. Wow. Uh, yeah, Wasn't he standing cringy. with his mate at that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Because he goes back up there later with Kate. With Kate, yeah. With, with Rose. Yeah, he, uh, he's like, I've got a really good idea off the cuff, but he'd already done it. Yeah. Um, he's actually not, he's actually kind of ashamed of his performance in this. Oh, really? Him and Kate both are. They're both kind of like, it's quite embarrassing. Mm. The performances are quite embarrassing. Um. I think they're just like a sign of the times and a sign and like just a product of the, f- like the film itself and the content of it. It's like a romance film yeah. encased in a tragedy. Well, she really thought weird. her accent was awful in it when she watched it back. And he thought his character was just like, he just played him too like bratty. Like he, I think he called him like a teen punk character, mm. which I agree with. Like they're not the most interesting of characters. No. It was pitched uh, by James Cameron as um, Romeo and Juliet on ti- on the Titanic. Right. Which is basically what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, it was the studio originally wanted uh, Matthew McConaughey really? for the role of Jack. Yeah. Oh my lord. But um, yeah, James Cameron insisted. James Cameron. <laughs> James Cameron insisted for Leo. Hmm. Yeah, I think like weirdly he's a good fit at this age. Yeah. Oh, and interestingly, the first choice, again, like we said before, was River Phoenix. Really? Yeah. Do you think that swayed Leo to take it? Maybe. Do you know who actually, um, I think, I can't remember what film it was on. I've got notes for one of the films to talk, to talk about later, but it was Paul Rudd. Right. Who he stars alongside in, uh, I can't remember which film. I'll remember in my notes later. But Paul Rudd was like, you should go for this. Because mm. on the set, like, Leo was like, I've been offered this film about the Titanic. And Paul Rudd, who's really interested in like naval history and stuff and the Titanic and general history of it, was like, oh, you should definitely go for that. Selfish recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see this film get made. <laughs> <laughs> Leo, please do it. P.S. Please sneak me onto set. Yeah. <laughs> um, the set was amazing as well, actually. Mm. Like, that's one thing that I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah, the I liked set it. A lot of good really like, good. practical effects that do hold up. Quite and well. the, if you haven't watched it, spoiler alert again, um, the fact that they like go, like, they actually di- like dived did a dive didn't they yeah yeah like when they did the film yeah. and they used that footage and like it kind of like transitions though mm. like the transition between like how it looks now and then like how it would have is really cool i think yeah i've got um a fact which may be of most interest right. of all the facts about the creation of titanic and leo okay um on set leonardo's uh, pet lizard was run over but it survived <laughs> oh my god so many questions. <laughs> and that's I would just leave it there. Um, <laughs> Kate had some rules for Leo when it right. came to the kissing scenes. Okay. Four rules. No coffee, no onions, no garlic, and no smoking prior to those scenes. 
That's a fair request. He said, yeah, okay. And then he proceeded to do all four before the next kissing scene. No. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> what a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> and she was then proceeded to call him Stinky Leo for the rest of the uh, the rest of the, uh, the shoot. Well, serves him right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all I've got really on Titanic. I mean, I I thought I was going to hate it. And the first half I was kind of like, this is quite boring. But then it, it did pick up. It's a grower. Takes yeah. a while to get I into mean, it. I mean, some of those uh, scenes in the hallways of the Titanic, when it's going down, the lights are going out and Really stuff, tense. And it felt like watching Aliens. Yeah, we James did say Cameron's that at the time. like Aliens, where they're going through the hallways in the facility yeah. and stuff. And she's like clinging on. Yeah, yeah. Really, well, like, she was running through with the axe and stuff. I was like, this is like watching, you know, Ripley and Aliens. Yeah, like if they replaced, not even replaced, if they just added an alien on that ship. Yeah. Would have been so that was good. my favorite bit. So when good. she's going, when he's when he's uh, handcuffed down there, and she's going down to get him with the axe. Yeah. that was my. I thought that was the best bit. Yeah, but, it was um, really tense. It, overall, it was alright. I don't think I would have rushed to watch it if I hadn't been doing the pod about Leo. No, but it was good. I'm. Not, I don't regret it. He did injure his shoulder on on filming this one. Did he? Yeah, you know the scene where they rush against the the barrier with the bench. They oh, charge yeah. at the bench. He knocked his shoulder out of whack <laughs> on that scene. Um, but yeah, they're my Titanic facts. I don't want to bang on and on about Titanic forever. Cool. But there we go. That's Titanic. And that's Leo's top four. Yeah. You could. What do you think about those? Do you like them? Do you, you think yeah, they're going to change? Th- mm, yeah, maybe. I do think they're super varied, which is good. Hmm. Like, I mean, I, done I have a lot of stuff. We're, for the listeners, we don't decide what our end result is. We sort of, as we are recording, we sort of make our own individual notes. Yeah. It's of a what, journey. And so as from the outset now, before we go through the back catalogue, I'm like, that's a pretty good top four Yeah. as a representation of his career. It's not going to be my favourite top four, mm. but I wouldn't be surprised if there's not too much change yeah. to what we agree mm. on as is, as is known for four at the end. But I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. So let's go back to the beginning of his career, mm-hmm. have a little break and work our way through his back catalogue to now. Cool. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, so uh, I guess we should chat about this boy's life. Well, before we talk about that, can I just play you a little something? Yeah, what are you playing me? Right, so before we go through the back catalogue, I just want to play you a quick something from YouTube. This is a chunk of super soft bubblegum bubblegum. This is a loud thumping two pumping boom box. Both are known for blast. But on the yum is the fun that never blows out. Big mouth busting bubblegum. Keeps it popping. Keeps it popping. So there we go. <laughs> that was one of his very first performances, the bubble yum advert. Wow. What do you think of that? He's got his classic hair. Yeah. Could you <laughs> could you tell his future greatness from that, you know, short yeah, he was pretty good. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, and then after that, his first film performance was in Critters 3. I know we try and normally watch the first film performances of the actors, but I thought right. I'd spare you from Critters 3. Is it pretty dire? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. I'll put in a little clip of Critters 3 now. Jeez, Rat did that? Looks like I'll have to charge somebody for a new door. Give me the keys. I'm going to wait in the car. Forget it. We're in this together. I thought you cut off all the power. I did cut off all the power. Can we just go? And that's all we'll talk about, Chris 3. Okay. But, so moving on to yes, go This on. Boy's Life, 1993. And I wasn't going to watch this. I'd never heard of this. Mm. This was recommended yeah. to us by a listener. This was recommended by, um, I hope I get the pronunciation right, uh, Mark Shacko mm-hmm. um, on I Twitter. I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. I really liked this film. Yeah. It was crazy good. It's Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. Yeah, their relationship is like crazy weird, but incredible. Robert De Niro is playing a very weird, pitiable, pathetic character in this. Yeah. Uh, 19, it's like 1950s ass. kind of I liked the aesthetic of it and everything and the yeah. whole like teenage angst I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere like me and my single mom are just sort of like out on our own trying to piece things together she gets this boyfriend who seems really good then turns out to not be so good and they're struggles and stuff yeah it's um, him trying to break out of like small town it's actually really mm. similar to the second film he was in right or the next film he did which was gilbert grape yeah but for johnny depp's characters this is yeah. him playing that character i need to get out of the small town and do but something. it's weird because like they lived in the middle of seattle and mm. then they obviously would like pulled out to the outskirts by this boyfriendy character which is robert nero mm. and he just basically wants them to I don't know, he just doesn't want them to progress. He doesn't want him to make anything of himself. He just wants him, like Robert De Niro characters, just it's wants like to be the was, big man. He is pathetic and he doesn't want anyone to be better than him. Yeah. So he holds people back. It's such a really interesting, like, dynamic. Yeah. Like, between all the characters. Robert De Niro in this is like a, playing a real caricature, but it's like a well-observed one. Like, I've met people mm. like this. It's like yeah. an exaggerated version of the sort of people you've met people like this before. Yeah. And they're just awful. Yeah. What's going on here? I got this scholarship and you went nuts. He's crazy and I'm leaving. Great, go. Finally, about time, about time. Go. No, 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 don't worry. I'm gone. Just give me my paper money. 
He doesn't want anyone to like better themselves because yeah. he, you know, he has to be the, at the top. They're like, like the big man, but really, they're kind of absolutely really pathetic. Yeah. So that was super interesting. I, I really like this film. This was the film I mentioned earlier that Robert De Niro worked with really, really young Leo. Mm. And then he called Scorsese to tell him about Leo. He said, you got to check this kid out. Wow. He's great. And um, Scorsese, years later, when he recalled it, he said, yeah, it was really, I always remembered it because it's really unnatural for Robert De Niro to do that. It's mm. not the sort of thing he does. Right. So for him to have called me, it must have been something worth checking out. What amazing praise. That, like that young age, that yeah. Robert De Niro would like just be like, look, this kid is going to yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna be good. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, obviously Leo would go on to work with Scorsese. Numerous times. Yeah, yeah. And um, it wasn't actually this that Scorsese watched to check him out. It was the next film. So right. uh, we'll go straight on to what, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah. Um, when this came out, not until it was on telly even, Scorsese was like, oh, this is that kid that mm. De Niro said Well, it about. came out in the same year. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this might have been, I don't know, but at the time, the bigger film. It was a bigger film. It's the one I'd heard of before yeah. I'd seen this one before. Because you've got Johnny Depp, who's also like a big, big name in it and up and coming. Mm. Um, but it was this that Scorsese saw Leo in and was like, oh, yeah, this, Leo this kid is Leo was, like, good. incredible in this. So despite being so young, actually, so this is what's seeing Gilbert Grape. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, this is where he got his first Oscar nomination yeah. for supporting role for this wow. film. And yeah. uh, this was recommended by loads of listeners. Mm-hmm. Loads of people like this film. It's a real, like, classic. Uh, I'd seen this film before. Mm-hmm. I wasn't actually initially going to watch this film again because I'd seen it before, but... Um, so many people were just like, oh, you got to watch this. you got to talk about this. Mm. I was like, oh, you know, I will watch it again. And it is, yeah. it's great. I forgot actually how enjoyable and watchable this film was. Mm. Yeah, can, like Leo playing, like his character is like a mentally disabled younger brother of uh, Johnny Depp's mm. character. And for someone, I mean, Leo is relatively young mm. in this. And to play such a difficult character like that and do it like really well and like pull it off Mm. without it i don't know being it can be really risky to play like a mentally challenged character yeah cringy but it felt very natural and it was yeah really like genuine performance Mm. um that was yeah he said he um conducted by leah he did like a lot of research for this role. Yeah. And he'd like picked up ticks from other, he visited like, like schools, like special needs schools and things like mm. that. And, and spent some time around the like mentally challenged kids and stuff like the, the thing he does where he rubs his nose. Yeah. That was like one, something sniff. he picked up from someone mm. else. Well, where's the duck? There's the duck. I can't see the duck anywhere. Find him. Look. Look, where's the duck? Where's the duck? It's hiding. Hmm? Find the duck. Arnie, I don't have time for this. Lift up. Uh-huh. Ducky. Good boy. You know what? Huh? You're such a big boy. Yeah. You're such a big boy. Oh, a big boy. Hey, you know what? I bet you could do this all by yourself if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Could you do this by yourself? Well, a big boy. Yeah, be a big boy. Big boy. Okay, take this. Take this. Wash everything. Your towels are there. Okay. And your robe is there. Okay. Okay. The big boy's gonna wash himself. Right. I just didn't expect it from such a young actor, I think. Mm, mm. I mean, we spoke... So this was the first time you'd watched this film as well, right? Yeah. I mean, we spoke about Sigourney Weaver mm, and her playing um, like a 
autistic character, but she's like a very accomplished actress, mm. like already. And I think yeah, this is that really shocked third me. Film? Yeah, that obviously you can tell how much of like a high caliber mm-hmm. actor he is already, um, and how like just I guess sensitive to the situation he was. So there's a section of this film where he is scared of water mm. for something that happens. There's a whole a big chunk of the film. Mm. And actually during that section, uh, Leo decided not to bathe. So he was actually like kind of greasy, stinky. Oh, onset. yeah. Yeah. A bit so of method acting. A little bit of method acting like mm-hmm. at a young age. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of taste of that. Say, where's Arnie? Say that. Where's Arnie? <laughs> you can't find me. Hi. In the water. And one of the characters he plays alongside of this is played by John C. Riley, mm-hmm. who is, we talked about playing with the same actors again and again. He actually yeah. worked with John C. Riley like three times oh, cool. in his career. Yeah. Um, he sort of with him in The Aviator mm-hmm. and um, Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. So they sort of worked together a few times. That's cool. John C. Riley's quite young in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's quite fun to see him so young. He's someone who's just always been around playing these sort of like side roles mostly. Yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed watching this again. I was surprised how much I liked it when I yeah. watched it again, a bit like The Departed. It's a really nice, it's like a nice kind of low stakes film, I guess. There's no, it's yeah. like quite a small film in yes. a way that it's like set, it's set in like a small town. And there's not much that really happens. You're just like seeing people exist and like yeah. their lives and their relationships and stuff, which I really like. It's kind of reflects the mundanity of growing up in that place. Yeah. And how it's kind of dull and nothing really mm. happens. And you can see the frustration for Gilbert, um, Johnny Depp's character yeah. of how he wants to get out of there. But he's like bound to his he's responsibilities. He's tied by his family. Yeah. 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 Um, just want to mention we did, uh, talk about this when we, after we watched it, but how great Johnny Depp is in it yeah, because he gives such a subtle performance. Yeah, you're not used to seeing Johnny Depp be subtle. Mm. And um, I'm not the biggest fan of Johnny Depp now, but when I rewatched this, I was like, oh yeah, he he can he's be great. good. Yeah, like, yeah, he was really good in this. And it, but uh, I saw a thing with him actually where he spoke about this, and he was actually like kind of. He said it was like a real dark time in his life. He's actually kind of really down during mm. the recording of this. So maybe that's actually plays into it because like he kind reflects, of is yeah, playing someone embodies who's the character. depressed. Mm. Um, but he said he said about how he was like down a lot of the time when he was mm. making this film and how he would get irritable with Leonardo DiCaprio, who was younger than him on mm-hmm. set. He would like get on his nerves and irritate him mm. and stuff. He mm, said he always watched, he said that Leo always wanted to talk about video games and he wasn't interested. <laughs> But yeah, it was a great film. Yeah. So I totally recommend that. Um, after that was The Basketball Diaries. Yeah, someone recommended this. Um, this was recommended by uh, Anthony Anderson on Twitter and also Neil, uh, who okay, I mentioned cool. earlier, Neil Dutton. Um, yeah, this was good. So um, I've got a message here that, that Neil said. He said um, that he always liked Basketball Diaries, but he loves it in a nostalgic way. So he was unsure whether we would love it or kind of find it if it's the first time we've seen it after all these years, we kind of might find it kind of, uh, how do you put it? Like bad sixth form poetry mm. style, like kind of grating, um, like going back to things you thought were like cool when you're a teenager. Now, it might not work on us if we if we hadn't seen it back then. Um, I get what you're saying. I don't think so. I quite liked it. I kind of did have that feeling where he was like, you might not like it so much. Yeah. I, I didn't. 
I didn't know that this was based on a, a real book and a real person oh, right. when I watched it. Yeah. And I remember like when there's all the, the voiceovers with the poet reading the poetry uh, from the book yeah. about being like, Jesus, and sort of rolling my eyes at it. Right. And then I felt bad when I realized it's a real guy. And like, so maybe Jim Carroll's poetry just isn't for me because yeah. <laughs> it wasn't my I've to my I've forgotten taste. that actually. Yeah. I was just thinking about like the storyline of just like getting caught up in kind of like drugs and stuff oh, and getting yeah, swept like, away with it at such a young age actually when um i mentioned anthony anderson when he recommended this mm-hmm. he did warn me he's like it's not a fun watch yeah like be prepared for like a slog when you start watching it yeah and it was quite tough a tough watch yeah but the performance from leo was really good again how I think, desperate he gets yeah and like i think off the back of watching gilbert grape him embodying a character that is um has difficulties mm. like obviously being mentally disabled and having um a drug addiction is totally different but he tackles both well, of them the with great success yeah at the beginning yeah but yeah this is um like we said he he worked with Mark Wahlberg in the mm. in the Departed mm-hmm. later in his career. This was like them both as young men. Yeah, and this is also him alongside uh, Julia Lewis, who she was in um, Gilbert Grape with him. Oh and yeah, she has a small role in this as well. So he did two films of her on the bounce. Mm. Um, but interestingly, again, this role was intended for River Phoenix originally. Oh right. So this is he's like on There's the hills of River Phoenix yeah. all the time. It took a while to get this film made. Right. River Phoenix wanted to play this role so much because he loved the book. Right. But by the time the film came around, he'd like he'd he'd aged out of the role a little bit. Right. So that gave Leo the chance to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. But um, this is one of those ones where I'm glad I watched it, mm-hmm. and the performance was great. Mm. But this wasn't my favorite. Mm, like I don't need to see it again. No. Um, it was interesting, um, and it was good to see him. Yeah, it's just another like side of his kind of um, just seeing some more, just seeing like how capable Leo is, like mm-hmm. in just different situations. Like I appreciated. Yeah, when you, that, do, you see him get more and more desperate, and it is like it's like, like we said, it's just hard to watch. Some of it is hard to watch. It's like heart wrenching. Yeah. Oh, when he goes back to his mum. Hey, Ma. Are you in there, Ma? Ma, is that you? Yeah. Ma? Ma? Are you there? Yeah. Hi. Hi, Ma. Hi. Hi. Listen, I need you to help me out, all right? I need you to give me some money, okay? I need you to give me like five dollars, like t- like twenty dollars, something like that, because I'm in some trouble. Anyway, mm. um, so let's talk about. Uh, we didn't watch the Quick and the Dead. No, have you we seen didn't. That now? No, no, didn't have time for that one. Let's talk about Total Eclipse then. This was one I'd never heard of. Yeah, me neither. I'd never heard of this film. This was suggested to us. Uh, this was Neil again. So Neil had mentioned Total Eclipse. Right. In an initial message he had sent to me. Mm-hmm. He initially said that he'd be interested in, on our take on the film Total Eclipse. Mm. So I said, I'd never heard of it. Like, what is it? Do you recommend yeah. watching it? Mm-hmm. And um, he said, overall, it's not a great film. Right. He said he finds it similar to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. But 
um, with 19th century queer poets and less focus, <laughs> is the quote. Um, he said, I think the acting was good and that Leo fit the character well. It will have justifiable cult appeal, which it does. This is a real like sort of cult mm. film. Um, to some, I just thought it was so-so and kind of interesting overall. Yeah, it's a really interesting watch. I agree with what Neil said. Like, I was glad I watched this because it's such an obscure, interesting film. Yeah. And it was interesting, but I don't think it was great. It was really messy. Yeah, but I think that kind of reflects, like, the personality of the characters. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say, actually. Like, the the unfocused, like, film-making... Yeah actually kind of did work for how messy and crazy just, the relationships were yeah and like he's a really young like troubled poet and artistically so he's, yeah he's playing arthur Rimbaud, so he's playing a real french poet yeah and it's about this love triangle mm. uh between he's he's like mentor yeah he's starring alongside um david thulis yeah so there's sort of like a gay relationship between them but Thulis also has a wife and child yeah so you've got this weird love triangle going on like and, a forbidden romance really yeah in that day and age oh yeah it's totally <clears throat> illegal and they're sort of um the police are sort of suspecting them because his weird, wife's isn't it? accusing because, him yeah. of having this, this sodomist relationship and stuff Leo's character is he doesn't I don't think base himself in reality at all no he has no um, sense of like any repercussions to his no. actions and Thulis is almost his character is almost sort of like he's in trance by yeah exactly yeah. he's like wow like he can just live like this and say these things and behave this way but he's like no he, one I've ever met also he's just so um, he holds him in such high regard he's got such admiration for him because As of his writer, poetry yeah. um, and Leo's character's just He's quite needy and he's also quite flippant with him. Yeah. He's so, uh, they both are so like um, they run, hot and cold of yeah, each other. Yeah, they run really hot and cold and they're very um, sometimes callous, sometimes like loving and yeah. like tender. Uh, what, it's really one bizarre minute Leo's film character to watch. Is basically laughing at him, calling him pathetic, telling him to fuck off out of his life. And the next minute he's begging him to come back and I, I actually love you, I need you. Mm. And then Thulis' character is... You know, one minute, like, I love you, I just want to be with you. And the next minute, running back to be into the arms of his wife. Mm, who he sort of kind and then of semi sort of... goes off the rails with and is abusive. Oh, he's of... abusive to his wife yeah. in a weird way. But she so desperately is always, like, running after him. Oh, well, I guess it's the premise, isn't it? You have to keep up appearances. the appearances. Yeah. And especially because her family is held in quite high regard. Yeah. Um, she can't have her husband, one being in like a gay relationship and mm. two beating her up and stuff yeah. she has to kind of go along with it and he he only cares about her for her money yeah yeah and her oh no no sorry it's not just her money it's her body well yeah but i mean she can't really say anything because she's basically a second class citizen like women in that that day and age were sort of kept by their men he doesn't find her interesting. He thinks she's, stu she's stupid. Yeah. He doesn't like her company at all. He's just obsessed by her body. He thinks she is the perfect body and he mm. just wants to sleep with her all the time. It's all he wants. Yeah. And then he gets his like mental satisfaction. Being with, from, Leo's, with Leo's character. character. Yeah. Um, but then he also enjoys, you know, being sleeping with him, with him. Yeah. being intimate with him as well. So it's, it's like he, they're meeting two sides. It's so of his messy. Needs. 
Yeah, and it's just a mess of a film. You're just watching these. It's a total love conflict. triangle, and yeah. they're just running from city to city, and yeah. Don't expect me to be faithful to you. Oh. Why are you so harsh with me? Because you need it. Isn't it enough for you to know that I love you more than I've ever loved anyone? That I will always love you? Shut up, you sniveling drunk. Tell me that you love me. Oh, for God's sake. Please. Please, it's important. Just say it. You know, I'm very fond of you. Do you love me? What? Do you love me? Yes. It's basically watching a gigantic lover's tiff. Yeah. Um, that is a little bit crazy. It's yeah. really interesting. It's definitely inter- an interesting film. Leo's character is great in it. Like, he plays him really well. Yeah, he's um, chaotic. He reminded me a little bit of um, the way that Mozart is played in the, in the film Amadeus. Mm. This sort of precocious young idiot. Yeah. But who is, people have to agree, is quite talented. Yeah. So they, like, grudgingly, yeah. Um, yeah, give him the time of day. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, an interesting watch. Yeah, definitely. So, I, yeah, Neil, thanks for the recommendation of that one. I actually really, as much as I didn't love the film, I actually really, it was an interesting film to have watched. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like we've just mentioned, there's, you know, four films there where he's a young actor. These films came out within a couple of years of one another. Yeah. Totally different characters. Yeah. He gives them their all. Yeah. Like, he's very uh, convincing and enthralling to watch in all of these roles. Um, and I think he does them justice, like, all, all four very different troubled characters. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's crazy that he's so young in this and he, you know, has such um, skill. Yes. But then it's almost like he drops that for a while because now we move into his heartthrob face right beginning with Romeo and Juliet Romeo and Juliet we didn't watch this have have you seen it yeah I think I've seen this I have seen it a long time ago so like I think a lot of people would have watched this from studying Romeo and Juliet in school yeah and we watched it in school Mm. and um, I'm actually not a big fan of Baz Luhrmann films Mm. Um, his, his style doesn't do it for me his directing style so he did uh, this Moulin Rouge. Mm. Um, he did the Great Gatsby with Leo later in his mm. later in Leo's career. It's a very like gratuitous, very stylized. Like this is teenagers will love this film. Like yeah. angsty teens is just like yeah, I've got to learn about Shakespeare and. Uh, well, they were like such big heartthrobs at the time. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes were both yeah. so like heartthrobby. Mm. So they were kind of the perfect casting for this film. Yeah. Um, but they didn't get on well on set at all, apparently. Oh, really? um, him and so Leo and Claire were always sort of, sort of irritating each other on set. Mm. She found him very immature, right? And he found her really uptight. Mm. So they just j- didn't gel at all. Like he, she thought he was messing around too much, and just right. being stupid, and she thought he thought she was like, not having enough fun between. Mm. Them. So yeah, they d- they didn't gel. Even though it was him that sort of fought for her to have the role. Because oh, from the auditions, he really liked the way her character engaged with his. Like, mm. he liked her performance. I suppose if you've not worked together before, though, no. it's hard to say. 
Um, and originally the role was for uh, Natalie Portman. Oh, wow. And they actually filmed some stuff with Natalie Portman. But um, they just said it didn't look right because they, there's a big age, diff- age gap between them. Right. And because she was so much younger and so much smaller in frame, she's quite small framed. Mm. They said it looked iffy. A bit weird. Yeah, it looked mm. like he was... Um, a bit too old. Yeah, it just looked... The age gap didn't look right and the size difference. They just like, it looks uncomfortable to watch. Like he's like assaulting her almost so yeah then he was like what about Claire Danes I thought she was really good Mm. and then he sort of fought for for her and then she came on Mm, interesting yeah Um, this was the film that he worked with Paul Rudd on Paul Rudd said do the Titanic film next ah okay yeah so Paul Rudd's in this film which was a year later so we didn't watch Marvin's Room so have you got anything else to say about Romeo and Juliet or is that I watched it when I was very young yeah I remember I my, my friend's older sister loved this film and had like Romeo and Juliet posters on her wall. Wow. This is like the real moment that everyone fell in love with Leo. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> because then he did Titanic. Right. And then that was huge. Yeah. I was, there was some statistic where it was like 45% of the audience were young girls who were seeing it multiple times because of Leo. So that really Jeez. helped with the box office. And then the same for the next. So we already talked about Titanic, but the film after that. Man in the Iron Mask. The Man Mask. in the Iron Mask. Like the, a massive percentage of the audience for that was young women going right. to see it for Leo. So I don't think that film would have done so good without Leo. Right. Unless, did you love that film? We watched this. It was really weird. Um, I don't think Leo needed to play that role and I don't think he was giving it his all. Well, to be he, quite honest. Talking about? he got to play two roles. Yeah, he got to play two characters which were like twins. I thought it was quite shoe- That's a spoiler. <laughs> we'll keep it in. I thought it was quite not like shoehorny, like oh let but I think they were just using him to like like this is, float the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. If we get this heart throbbing, it would make this film do better. This was kind of a mess, I thought. Yeah. It didn't look great, it looked kind of cheap. But also like all these pieces are period pieces, so like Romeo and Juliet, That's Titanic, true. Man in the Iron Mask, they're all I mean, Titanic's not super periody, but it's still no, it like twenties yeah. or whatever. Because yeah. um, that's why that was like they they that was one of the reasons that James Cameron was a little bit hesitant about Kate Winslet for it, right? Because she had been in so many period pieces mm. to the point where, like, amongst directors and that, she was getting nicknamed Corset Kate, right? And he was like, "Oh, I don't know if I want like she's been in so many period pieces. Do we really want her for like another period piece?" Right. Um, and in the end, they did go for her, but but yeah. So this is a really bizarre film. I didn't. I thought it was a mess, to be honest. Yeah, it's kind of a shambles. Um, it's got a great cast. It's got a very mixed Very cast. cast, yeah. I mean, there's some like great names in there. Some but... real hams in there. Well, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it's a bit stilted, I think. It's okay. a bit like kind of jarring. It doesn't flow. No, it doesn't flow. Like the characters don't really embody their roles convincingly no. like any of them the accents are all terrible yeah well, the accents are <laughs> all over the place jesus so what i've got on here see on these films i've got all these notes underneath each film on right. my notebook and the man in the iron mask just has one sentence right go uh, on which is the man in the polystyrene mask <laughs> which is um <laughs> what that mask was uh, obviously and was made of right um yeah, I didn't think of yeah. the props and stuff. I just didn't, I think it didn't look great overall as well, just the look of the film. But yeah, The Man in the Iron Mask. Louis, please. You were a part of this too, mother? He's your brother. I love you both. And your love has meant nothing to either of us. It has meant something to me. 
So we should probably talk about the beach, right? Um, if you like. Have you ever seen the beach? I was going to watch it, but we didn't. I didn't have enough time. But I think you've seen it. I've seen it many years ago. I'm not a fan of it, so I really don't have much to say. Right. I know some people love this film, but mm-hmm. for me, it didn't ever really grasp me. Right. Uh, so the only interesting right. thing that I, I did actually see some one interesting thing about the beach, though. Right. The role that um, Leonardo plays in it mm-hmm. was originally intended for Ewan McGregor. Oh, weird. Um, it's a Danny Boyle film. It's Danny Boyle directed Ewan in Train Spotting. Right. Yeah. And, that would um, make sense then. Yeah. But the studio wanted Leonardo DiCaprio for it. So they like. So they want you exactly. Uh, and Ewan ended up feeling really betrayed because he had really wanted the role. Oh, shit. And he had kind of been promised the role. Yeah. Um, and then he didn't speak for, he didn't speak to Danny Boyle after that <gasps> until 2015. Whoa. So yeah. like 15 years later. Yeah. Um, they made amends in 2015. That's mad. But yeah, they had a real falling out over it. Ewan felt really betrayed over it. Why? Yeah. So that's more of a Ewan McGregor fact, but I just thought it was quite interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. But um, yeah, so like I said, I haven't really got much to say about the beach. This is around the time, though, depending on whether people like the beach or not, where they think that Leo started moving out of that heartthrobby phase into more interesting films. Mm. What was the one he did after the beach? By uh, Don's Plum, but we didn't see that. I've never seen that. But we did watch Gangs of New York. Okay, so he worked with Martin Scorsese then, and that's that's the real jump then into Mm. like something more concrete, showing his like uh, performance skill. Yeah, I suppose because yeah, it's, it's like a grittier film, and he's, he's having to do like accents and stuff in this. Yeah, he's a little bit older. He's a bit more like street savvy, and mm. yeah, it's a really good film. Uh, well, like we watched this. I hadn't seen this before. We watched it for the first time. Yeah, um, 1862. Basically, it's like immigrants in New York, like when New York's kind of like founding. It's like itself. the different factions, yeah, isn't that, it? Yeah, it's like fact, faction wars. I mean, the, the title is really on the nose. It is about gangs of New yeah. York. <laughs> um, That's all you need to know. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis is incredible in it. Oh, yeah, he's good in this. Really good. Um, he kind of steals the show a bit in this. Yeah, I think so. Because he's, he's uh, despicable, but he's some, there's something quite charismatic about him you kind of like him even though he's a despicable character I think all of them are a bit despicable though like all the characters are a little bit like gritty the Um, bit where they actually fight Leo and Daniel Day-Lewis yeah in that scene Leo actually broke Daniel Day-Lewis's nose oh really yeah 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 yeah. oh my god Um, they both continued anyway (laughs) holy shit yeah so this was the first time we worked with Martin Scorsese as well right Um, so you could say this was the real turning point for his career then yeah. If you had to point to like one film. But um, they didn't get on amazingly well at first. Who's so, Scorsese and Leo? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he got in real big trouble in the middle of filming this. Uh, he turned up late to set one day. Right. And this film had already been going through like a lot of constraints. Like it's, it, it was struggling to get budget. It was running way longer than it, they mm. thought it was going to. And then there's like, a lot of like set pieces and stuff and moving parts in it, and a lot of like extras and stuff as yeah. well. Yeah. And then Leo turned up late to set one day right. because he'd been out drinking and stuff the night before and just partying. Shit. So um, basically, Scorsese just gave him like a real bollocking, but just like in front of everyone. Fuck. Really, that's like quite embarrassing to have happen yeah. to you. Uh, you're trying to prove yourself as a respectable actor, and then, and then you just someone as respectable as Martin Scorsese is just giving you an absolute bollocking in front of all the crew, in front of all the, uh, yeah. in front of the other actors. Um, yeah. Youch. For every lay, we had a different name. An angler 
put a hook on the end of a stick to drop behind store windows and doors. An autumn diver picks your pocket in church. A badger gets a fella into bed with a girl, then robs his pockets while they're on the go. Jenny was a bludgeon, a girl pickpocket, and a turtle dove. A turtle dove goes uptown dressed like a housemaid, picks out a fine house, and goes right through the back door. Robs you blind. It takes a lot of sand to be a turtle dove. But yeah, and um, this, like we said before, from he worked with uh, John C. Riley is in this again, like he, they were together yeah. in Gilbert Grape. He like pops up again and again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really liked this. Yeah, me too. It was good. I didn't really know anything about it, and I'm glad I sort of went into it a little bit cold. It's, it's one of them good. films that I've been meaning to watch for years, like since it came out, basically, and I only just got around to seeing it, and it, well, it was really good, enjoyable. Mm. So let's chat about uh, the next film on the list, which is Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Which is amazing. We've kind of talked sugar about this before on the Tom Hanks episode yeah. and on the Steven Spielberg bonus episode we did. Uh, but this is a this is a great, great film. I love this film. And this is really the first time that Leo's done that, like you pointed out at the beginning of this episode, the um, suave yeah. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the first time he's done that. It's based on a true story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because um, we said about it having like real similarities to Wolf of Wall Street, yeah, where they're both like real life, real time fraudsters. And stuff. Yeah, I may. Do you think this like springboarded? Like, they're quite similar roles, like mm. charismatic swindler. Yeah, he's not quite as despicable in this one. No, it's, it's a similar story. He's more just like innocent because the guy in it's like really young, so he's playing a character um, who's like nineteen. Twenties, mm. like, he plays he's like really him young. A, a few. He plays in quite a long. Yeah, part of you his see life. him like yeah, like sort of at different stages. He he said this actually. Um, he said like he gets cast as younger quite often because he has a young looking face. Right. But then he can also play older if he needs yeah. to. So he does do a lot of these roles where it shows different times in someone's life because yeah, he can make him look very young, but yeah. you can also just age him up with makeup and stuff. I think he's more in this. His character's more of like a chancer. He mm. is kind of like a fraudster. Yeah. But he's a bit he's. It's fun loving. Yeah. This one's fun. Um, it's a really good what film. What can I get away with? Um, I love this film. And like we said, we've we've talked about this before. Mm. It's about somebody who like, works the system to their advantage, but in kind of like a non-threatening way. We talked about it on the Tom Hanks one, and we mm. didn't put it up there as our Tom Hanks one, because even on that, we were like, yeah, but Leo really steals the show. Yeah. I think of this as like Leo's film. I think because he's so charismatic and like multifaceted in this, because you see... He's got like several different personas mm. that he like employs, which is really nice. Um, which shows like just his like range, I guess. Um, We're talking of showing range. This came out because of the delays for Gangs of New York. Right. This they came out like the same time oh, in okay. the same month as each other. Oh wow! So you're really getting to see people who maybe doubted Leo in the past, and now have getting to see two very different roles in two brilliant films right. at the same time. Mm. I think this would have changed a lot of people's perceptions of him seeing these two films come out at the same time. Yeah. Especially because they are like polar, yeah, like characters, very different like, characters. Yeah, yeah. So this is a like superb film. It's a real really fave good. of mine. Mm. Like, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised if this is on on my list towards the end of the episode. <laughs> it's a real easy watch, like fun watch. If you've got an afternoon to kill, just like whack this on. Yeah, this is so very good. very watchable. Like, I can yeah. rewatch this whenever. Yeah, 
Actually, might have to watch it this afternoon, to be honest. (laughs) It's so easy watching. I can always watch this film. I've been here, Dr. Connors. Gentlemen, what what seems to be the problem? Bicycle accident. Fractured tibia about five inches below patella. Dr. Harris. Yes? Do you concur? Concur with what, sir? With what Dr. Ashland just said, do you, do you concur? Uh, well, it was a bicycle accident. Um, the boy told us. So you concur? Concur? I think we should take an x-ray, then stitch him up and put him in a walking cast. Very good, Dr. Ashland, very good. Well, you don't seem to have much need for me. Carry on. So yeah, definitely check it out if you haven't already. Yeah. Uh, so next is uh, The Aviator. So back with Scorsese again. Yeah. So after that dressing down on the set of gangs, they must have reconciled. He must have been happy with his performance overall to um, to cast him in lead in, in this film, which is the Howard Hughes biopic. I loved this. Yeah. I hadn't seen it. We before. talked about it. We watched it for the Cape Blanchett yeah. pod. Um, yeah, it was really good. He plays, yeah, Howard Hughes, and he's kind of... Which is like an odd character. I think he gets like Leo gets how he does like nuances really, really well. Yeah, like his kind of like mannerisms and his like kind of persona. Well, he gets to play someone suffering from OCD. Yeah, but you get to see how that develops gets over time. worse and yeah. worse over time, and how he becomes more and more obsessive. And yeah. I thought he was so good in this. Yeah. And I really love this film. I mean, that scene where, uh, like, I love his dynamic with John C. Riley again in this. Yeah. John C. Riley's like his right hand man, and I love the dynamic between their two characters in this. Yeah, how um, John C. Riley's characters like looks after him and like watches over him. He's kind of got his back. Yeah, like, he and like, kind of is protects his public image. Yeah, and that scene where they're talking in the hangar, and he's trying to get on with work, but his OCD is really kicking in. He's like. It feels like it goes on forever. He's repeating the same like line like again and again and again and yeah. again and again. Like stumbling on it. It's nice and that that relationship was quite like it felt really like wholesome and like honest. Like he mm. really just wanted to he could see this guy was like genius and doing really well, but in that day and age, like if you sort of showed your flaws, especially because he was such like a big he was celebrity. Spending so much money on his ideas as well. Yeah. You could have really been like, he was like always on the, the peg for it. Yeah, so much money and then blowing it all on the next thing and it was always like mm. well, this he, he could lose everything yeah. on this. And it was just fascinating to watch. And like we said on the Cape Blanche episode, Howard Hughes is a historical figure that maybe is more well known in America. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just ignorant to him. Like I've heard of him, I know things about him and I know parodies of him. I can recognise they're doing a, a mm. Howard Hughes spoof. Uh, like in The Simpsons when I think Mr. it was Bur- more prevalent in the US Howard yeah. Hughes but this really helped me learn about the character mm. and it's fascinating well about the person yeah and again like a really different um, personality mm. and like, he did spend time with like, OCD patients mm. in preparation for this role to try and get it's the it's a little bit like his role in um, Gilbert Grape yeah mm. like, not like same character with like same characteristics but then I guess the same process where he just like studies the subject matter like in depth well, like, like you, to really embody that character exactly like you said at the beginning about him playing these super suave chances yeah and I said oh I always think of him as playing these sort of like troubled characters. troubled conflicted yeah. something mentally sort of diversive in their brain yeah. this is that so he's mm. literally doing those things back to back yeah 
Come in with the milk. 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 He is to open the bag with his right hand and hold the bag out to me at a 45 degree angle so I may reach into the bag without without touching the paper. But yeah, he was nominated for this for this uh, Oscars, but didn't win. Didn't win. Didn't win. Gonna, I think I feel like we're going to say that a lot. Yeah, he was famously didn't win <laughs> a lot. But yeah, Aviator, love it, love it, love um, it, love it. Yeah, it was really good. So yeah, check that out as well. Um, next is The Departed, which we which did we already about. mention because that's in his um, top four. Oh, so that means next is Blood Diamond. Yeah. Because he they came out at the same time because he was nominated for Blood Diamond over The Departed. Right. And I actually disagree with that. Norm. Oh, de- yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Because I think he was great in The Departed and I think he was okay, okay in D- Blood Diamond. I think overall Blood Diamond was an okay film. Yeah, I think that. It's really highly rated. Yeah. But um, it just didn't like wow me. I, I saw it. It didn't maybe, like, pull me in. Maybe it's one that maybe at some point I should watch again. I yeah, watched I've it. Yeah, I've not seen it for a while. Maybe seven, eight years ago I watched it. Yeah. And... Um, I just I just put it on the afternoon. I remember thinking, yeah, it was pretty good. Mm. And then I don't remember much from it. And I didn't watch it with you, but when I said it back to you, you said, oh yeah, like I had the similar thing with me. I think you said you went to the cinema or something when it came out. I might have done. Yeah, but you just like, yeah, it was pretty good. All right. I think it's because the subject matter doesn't particularly interest me. It doesn't say like that it was a bad film, like the cast was bad or whatever. Mm. I just don't didn't appeal to me. But yeah, maybe there's a a more engaging film in that subject matter I mean there probably is I think I've seen others but um, mm. yeah he gets to do a South African accent which is hit and miss mm. some people think he's really good in it and some people think he can't pull off the accent <laughs> and I remember thinking like I thought of the film yeah it was alright yeah well <laughs> yeah. let us know if you think he pulled off this accent yeah this is a straight down the line <laughs> film for me like it's pretty good like I could watch it again but I wouldn't be like fighting to yeah it's not as mediocre as um, so is the next one Body of Lies yeah. Which I found incredibly mediocre. Right. What did you think of Body of Lies? Because we watched this recently. Let me just look. The fact that you're struggling to remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's in Jordan, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I liked it. It was okay again. It wasn't, like, outstanding. It was interesting subject matter. Like, I really liked the time that it was set and, like, the perspective that, like, all this stuff um, was basically... When's it set? It's like... Uh, it's modern. It was interesting to see, like, men, inverted comments, men on the ground, like, in, like investigating how it works, like, gathering intelligence and stuff like that. From that point of view, it was quite interesting, but I didn't really go into it that in-depth. This is, these type of films, I think you enjoy a lot more than me. Yeah. Whenever we watch these sort of films, my brain always, like, sort of drifts off and I sort of, what's going on again? Right. Um, because they just don't engage me all that much. It was fine. It was just, it was a, it's a Ridley Scott movie um, about you know terrorism in, and he's placed in Jordan and uh, he's alongside Russell Crowe. Yeah, Mark Rus- Strong. Russell Crowe and Mark Strong's in it as well. Yeah. Yeah, Russell Crowe's his like handler, mm. and Mark Strong plays like the local, uh, like intelligence yeah, bureau yeah, yeah. leader kind of thing. Jordan Intelligence Bureau. Yeah. yeah. So. If you like these sort of like... It's a bit obscure. Gritty, terrorist-based sort yeah. of films. You know, lots of plans and... Subdiffusion, yeah, stuff like that. If that's your thing, mm. it's an all right film. 
It's like mm. pretty standard film. It's not terrible, but yeah. if it's not your thing, it's kind of a bit bland. And for me, it didn't it didn't do it for me. Mm. But what did he do after that? Um. So next, he did Revolutionary Road. Mm-hmm. So this was him uh, reuniting not only with Kate Winslet, yeah, but uh, Kathy Bates is their co-star as well from Titanic. Yeah. Oh, this one was really interesting. Yeah. Again, one of those ones where it's like he plays sort of like a troubled, like person. His wife, yeah. who is Kate Winslet, I think that it's like in that day and age. I think it displays like relationships in that day and age really, really well. They kind of have the grandest of plans, and then they just like literally slide into the the. American dream, like norm, like day to day, like very like dull. And she wants to break out, and he has all the intentions until he sort of pulls the rug from underneath her, and it sort of falls. It's like, a little bit about people being cards. ruined by the idea of the American dream. Yeah. If, if you don't fit into that, you know, category of yeah. this is the perfect lifestyle. If you try and follow it because it's the the thing to do, yeah, it can ruin you. Mm. And these are people who, based on their personalities and their interests and ideals, that isn't the sort of lifestyle they should have been living. Yeah. So even when they look so successful to everyone on mm. the outside, actually it's just tearing them apart yeah. on the inside. And the whole, it's really frustrating because they made all these plans, they started the ball rolling to like move away. Yes. And then when it didn't happen, everyone was like, oh, I knew you would never leave, that kind of yeah. thing. And it's just like this, so um, infuriating to to watch that as, a, as a, like a spectator just knowing like people never expect you to do anything or make a change or... well it's, it's, it shows the, the the age of the time yeah. when it's set because actually we said when we were watching it weirdly like there's a lot of parallels in this film to our own life right yeah how we didn't really fit into the you know we don't own our home cookie cutter at our age and we yeah. don't have kids and we're not married and things like that and we want to get away and move somewhere and I you know work drives me crazy and there was a lot of parallels to us and them Mm. but the difference is now we can make a plan and do something about it and there isn't really expectation but I think also the big difference is like we're on board with it together whereas mm. he went along with it like Leonardo DiCaprio went along with this change like yeah we're going to move to Paris but it's, it's going to be incredible but it's what he wanted she made the change because it's what he wanted and then he backed out and, and he, then it drove her yeah. like insane basically yeah so uh, this is we. <laughs> this is kind of a. it's I would say it's a gruelling film but it's not really it's, it's really interesting like magnified look at like some people in like the 1950s like suburbs like and it's just a really interesting story about it was a a weird one for us to watch on the evening of valentine's day (laughs) (laughs) which is actually when we watched it it? yeah uh romance isn't dead (laughs) um yeah it's really it's a really interesting film if you like sort of it's like a slow burn isn't it Mm. um and it's really nice just you're watching, watching two you're watching, incredible actors like play off each other. Yeah, and you're watching things like unravel, unravel the seams coming apart mm. slowly. Yeah, as the film goes on, I actually really liked it. We've talked about this for quite a while, I feel like, but not really said anything. I don't know, like you just have to watch it. I think it's not mm. like a big plot, like they go there and do this. It's just like their lives. Yes. 
Um, and I find those I find this film really interesting, and the cast is really great as well. Mm. But yeah, I thought Leo was was great in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of difficult roles to play because they're yeah. not exactly showy roles. They're not really but yeah like relatable. Roles. Yeah, and you actually found him a you didn't like him in this film like the character at all you kept saying like, oh god I yeah no him. I found him infuriating yeah but that's just a testament to how good like Leo pulled it off I think because mm. uh, it's not an easy character to play because at the beginning like how they change mm. like you're really on board with them at the beginning and then they don't really say or do anything to like upset you but you just get the vi- like you just get these vibes mm-hmm. that like something is not right and it's a bit grating and like it's really annoying uh, and well, that's seeing, just incredible you're really. seeing um, everyday squabbles and stuff between couples mm. which is very relatable as well that's the thing like if you're in a long term relationship with someone you do get on each other's nerves sometimes mm. um, and you see that side of it as well yeah but yeah it, seems, it feels like this film really made an impression on you because I feel like you've you seem quite um, passionate about it in a way like it was something that I'd never even knew about like I didn't hadn't even ever heard of the film and it sort of came out of nowhere for me and it really I really I don't say I enjoyed it because it wasn't like an enjoyable film to watch but it was an interesting watch and I would recommend it for just something a bit like off kilter really uh anyway let's chat about the next one which is Shutter Island oh we watched this last night yeah could you stop that that nurse please stop that that nurse, maybe, maybe she had kids, huh? A husband. Just trying to make ends meet. Lead a, a normal life. And it says in your file that you tore her face off, didn't you? Congratulations, no more normal for her, not ever again, no. Do you know what she was afraid of? You. Could you stop that? Please? Stop that! Please! Stop! Do you know a patient named Andrew Latis? Do you? No! No! What did you think? This I'd the never th- seen, I'd seen it before. I'd seen this before, but this was the first time you'd seen it. What did you think? I'd never seen it. I thought it was really good. Yeah? Yeah. So this was... Mike Scorsese again. This is actually the only film that Leo and Scorsese have done together that hasn't been nominated for an Oscar. Oh, wow. This wasn't an Oscar-nominated film, so... Okay. Yeah, I can kind of understand why. Like, it was really good, but it wasn't... I don't feel like it was an outstanding performance by anybody. Like, crazy, crazy good. Like, Oscar... The the plot is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, The film itself, I mean, the film wasn't nominated. It wasn't the performances. The actual, every other film that they've done together, the film itself has been nominated for Best Picture. Right. This wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But the plot is really interesting. Yeah, the plot's great. You are really pulled along Mm -hmm. with Leonardo DiCaprio's character in this, like, you're confused and what's going on. It's like Smoke and Mirrors, isn't it? And it's all, like, perspective-based. There's only... Whichever angle you're looking at it from. Uh, So, yeah, it's, it's really, it's good. It's a hard one to talk about. Yeah. Because it's best enjoyed with little knowledge. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is... Leonardo DiCaprio's character is a, a US marshal. Yep. Arrives on this island. Is called to an island because it's a it's an a escapee. asylum. Yeah. There's an escaped patient and him and this new partner he's been paired up with, played by Mark Ruffalo, Yeah. are sent to investigate and find yeah. out what happened to this 
seemingly impossible disappearance. Mm-hmm. And then... Because where could you go? It's an island. Yeah, so. and then it's the strange things that happen on that island. Like, yeah. it's a strange setting. And you follow Leo the whole time. Yeah, and he's dealing with some, like, past turmoil. Like, he was in the war and stuff, and that's, yeah. like, playing on his mind. And that's really all you should know going into yeah. it. And the war, yeah, it's quite current, like, those, like turmoil for him because well, it's, it's 1950s again yeah it's not it's based in 1954 so it's not even like 10 years since mm. the those events so it's yeah quite, he was at um Dachau quite, yeah. concentration camp that's the, that's the event in his past that keeps coming back yeah um i suppose you know a lot of people in that day and age are haunted by events and stuff so mm. it's not really an unusual thing for happen but it's a really interesting perspective because you don't see a lot of films like show the same like content really like people in the 1950s and stuff that were they don't show people dealing with the trauma after effects, after effects. Yeah. you see the people dealing with it on the time but you don't see it maybe I haven't seen the right films but were people dealing with the after effects maybe 10 years later yeah um, which was in, it's interesting and like PTSD which kind mm. of didn't really exist back then yeah but I really like this film and watching mm. it again for me was very rewarding right um, and, and also watching it with someone because I knew where the story was going yeah. and watching it with someone who hadn't seen it before was quite fun right who knew nothing about it yeah um, and it is just a film that's full of mystery and intrigue and you, you, the whole always, time you're, you're always on edge you're always yeah. not sure what's happening I was going to say the whole time you're on edge you're always like questioning like what is what yeah and sometimes there's little weird things that happen which you think was that a mistake was that just like bad film editing or something right. but it's all Everything's very intentional. It's very well made. I feel like if I watched it a second time, I would pick those yeah, stuff up and be I like, "Oh, right, like that, that. That's like a little breadcrumb or something." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen it, don't. Read yeah, into if, if you, it. Go and check it's it out. a good film. Check it out. Mm. <laughs> really, loads of little things like that. So, that's so good. Cool. Yeah, I had to. Uh, yeah, so I'll cut the stuff I just said, but there's loads of little details in this film. That's great. Uh, should we move on to the Ince- Inception? The Inception. The Inception, which to we've already talked about. Inception. Yeah, because it was in, it's, it's, that's one of his um, top fours. Yeah. So is the next one J. Edgar? Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't seen this before. No. Um, what did you think to this, by the way? I really liked it, but okay. I like historical like stuff. It's really, it's really, I didn't really know that great deal about um, J. Edgar Hoover before we watched this anyway. Yeah, um, it's about the forming of the Bureau of Investigation. Mm, again, he's like playing a character with like kind of ticks and like mannerisms and mm-hmm. stuff like that and like certain processes and he's a bit, um, you know, he doesn't really have a social life until he still lives with his mother. His mother's like a massive, important character in his life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he got that part of the character down really, really well. And he's got he's got quite a bit of makeup on, hasn't he? He plays like a young and an old. Well, he's is someone who's kind of having someone to document their life. Yeah. So he's dictating his life. So you're getting the flashbacks and you're getting yes. Leo aged up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is my belief that when a man becomes a part of this bureau, he must so conduct himself both officially and unofficially as to eliminate even the slightest possibility of criticism as to his conduct. You still fancy facial hair, Agent Stokes. The ladies appreciate it. Mm. And I suppose the ladies' opinions are more important than the Bureau's? No, sir. Perhaps you are better suited for the police force than the Bureau of Investigations. I've been with the Department of the Bureau for seven years, Edgar. 
Almost as long as you. No. You were with the old Bureau seven years, and that Bureau is now gone, sir. And so are you. I didn't love this film. No? No. Uh, I thought it was a very good performance. Yeah. In a very mediocre film. Right, yeah. Um, I thought it was quite... It took me ages to get into it. Yeah. At the beginning, it's I was like... It's a slow burn. I was like, what is going on? Like, I couldn't get into it at all mm. for so long. For like the first 20 minutes, I was like... How long is this film? I can't get into this. I'm really struggling. Right. Then I, I did start getting into it more like the hook with him, the relationship between him and and um, his assistant. Yeah. That stuff hooked me and that was a bit more interesting. And then it started doing the, the Limburg baby kidnap. That stopped yeah. more interesting. So that's when the story started picking up for me. I feel but like it would have been better to have something to get your teeth into like sooner. But yeah. I feel like just it's got to be truthful. To really actually... meandered at the start. Though. I really struggled. But yeah. Yeah, it's a Clint Eastwood film. Leo and Clint Eastwood actually really fell out on the set of this film. Really? Yeah, so there was one scene um, where Leo requested another take. Right. We do a retake of that. And Clint was just like, no, no, we've got it. That's a wrap. And just walked away. Right. And Leo was like fuming. Oh. And for the rest of the whole shoot, they were just like standoffish of each other, really like cold. Eesh. So I can't imagine them working together again. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I wonder what take it was. They also had a disagreement about the way that um, the relationship between him and Army Hammer's character was portrayed. Right. So Leo and Army both were like, oh, we should focus on this more. Yeah. And maybe not be explicit, but more, more graphically it. show the relationship. Right. And what's happening there. Because it's quite subtle. Like mm. the whole way through, it's very like ambiguous. Yeah. And Clint just disagreed completely. Really? Yeah, he's like, no, like we don't need to show any more than what, what's there. Oh, it wouldn't right. work. And um, so, yeah, there was disagreements on this film. Because there's like a big gap, isn't there? There's like, because I think um, Ami Hemmer's character is like, becomes quite interested in um, Jagger Hoover, like romantically, and Jagger Hoover's a bit like standoffish. Well, from the moment they meet, um, Hoover's... Conscious. He is aware of feelings towards right, him. Yeah. From the first scene they're in together. But basically, he tries to explain it to his mother, doesn't he? He's kind of like tries to, and she's just like, oh, "I'd like rather die than that my son be like that." Yeah. 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 Um, what did she say? That my son be a daffodil. Daffodil. Yeah. Um, so obviously, he's like a troubled, suppressed mm-hmm. human. Um, but then it like jumps to like they're out, like when they're really It jumps old. a few times throughout the film because it has to cover his whole life mm. and it's a fairly long film anyway. So you don't really see any of that relationship kind of evolve or like mm. what happens. Um, and it's a bit ambiguous. And I, I don't know, like from this film, what happened between them two men at all. Like if they just, oh, if it I, remained like platonic, if it was just like. No, I got a pretty good impression of. Of what, well, yeah, what of was there, yeah. Went more into like a romantic yeah. kind but, of relationship. Um, the film as a whole, I wouldn't Not be like you. rushing to watch it again. I didn't mm. enjoy it all that much. Yeah. Um, what did you do after this one? Django Unchained. Well, gentlemen, you have my curiosity. But now you have my attention. So Django Unchained? Yeah. First time working with Quentin Tarantino. And it was amazing. And the first time that he played a villain... For like a long time, since um, the Man in the Iron Mask, really. Yeah, 
I could, you could kind of argue that, like, Gangs of New York, he was a bit of a villain. He was just a bit of a You root shyster. for him more, though, in Gangs yeah. of New York. You think of him as being on the right side, the right gang. Yeah. But he was But this great. is a pure out-and-out out villain. Yeah. He, he was foreboding. Yeah, he had a, he had trouble getting into Character. the villainous role. Oh, really? He really wanted the role. He really wanted to work with Quentin Tarantino. But he, when it came to it, he actually really struggled to get into the role. Mm-hmm. Because... He loved the script and everything, but then when it came to performing some of the dialogue, he's like, I I really hate saying this. Like, oh, wow. Um, especially a lot of like the racist like the dialogue he had to say. Yeah. He just like, he had to keep stopping and be like, I just make him really uncomfortable. And actually, uh, Samuel L. Jackson like pulled him aside and had a word with him and was just like, come on, like get into it. This is just like, you know, this is Tuesday for me. Like, come on, let's just oh, shit. do this. Yeah. Like, come in, come in and act like you hate me tomorrow. Right. Act like I'm scum. Like, because wow. that's who you're playing. That's amazing. Um, and then it got, he obviously did he get into himself, it. He said, yeah. he said when he came in the next day after the chat with Samuel Jackson, he was just in it. Like, he was like, Do you like, think yeah, he was I'm just conscious of, like, offending his co-stars then? I don't know. Because it was like, such a sensitive material. Maybe. Um, it and he's kind of like alongside, like, amazing, like, black actors. You've got yeah. Samuel Jackson. You kind of, got, like, need their permission to be a dickhead. Yeah, you got Jamie Foxx. you got Kerry Washington. He's working alongside all these, like, people. And yeah. He's just really struggling to get into that mindset. But it went once he did, like, he threw himself I don't think I could, 100% you know? into it. I don't think I could own that character at all. I couldn't be that villainous. And He like, was a bit worried about how people would perceive him afterwards. But, I mean, the character's character. so cartoony. It's a character, yeah. It's compelling and he's he does it brilliantly he's yeah. an awful awful character but that um so the the famous doki doki f- fact about this film is the um Han. when he has the big you know he speech like in the middle he? of yeah. the dinner table and he slams his glass down yeah he cut he actually cut his hand open that's not part of the script he wasn't supposed to cut his hand and bleed everywhere the take they used is the take where he actually for real slammed the glass down it split and cut his and hand, cut his hand his open hand. his hands running down with blood and he finished the scene cameras cut standing ovation from crew wow best take we're using it yeah. tarantino loved it he incorporated his bleeding hand into the following scenes where he rubs the blood all over Kerry washington yeah with her permission that's not real blood right that those following scenes like he was patched up and it was fake blood but he was yeah. he was like i'm definitely using that scene Right, the so then we have it. the storyline. So we has need to, to be incorporate it because he's like, I've got this really great idea. Continuity. Yeah. He's like, if Kerry's on board and you're on board, I really want you to like smear Tarantino's. Like, I really want you to smear it down her face. In the wow, next thing. such a powerful like and they were visual all like, graphic. Yeah, they were like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, it's fake blood in that following scene. Right. Yeah. A bright boy. I will admit you are pretty clever. But if I took this hammer here and I bashed in your skull with it, you would have the same three dimples in the same place as old Ben. Hey! Don't lay your palms flat on that tabletop! If you lift those palms off that turtle shell tabletop, Mr. Pooch is going to let loose with both barrels that sawed off. There have been a lot of lies set around this dinner table here tonight, but that you can't believe. Mr. Moby, would you be so kind as to collect the pistol hanging off these boys' hips here? Thank you ever so much. Oh, well, I actually didn't know that it was real until, like, afterwards, so it just did look... Like, the continuity mm, mm. is, like, really fits, and it's such a powerful, like... 
visual metaphor for just like you're fucking below me. Sometimes when these things happen on set as well, if you just roll with it, you can yeah. get these amazing performances because like a lesser actor may have gone like, oh shit, I've cut my hand and cut mm. and then you've lost that cool take. Yeah. But it's like when he broke Daniel Day-Lewis's nose in Gangs of New York. You just use it to fuel Both of those your actors anger. are so like, we want to get the best take possible. They just like, go with it. They both, there wasn't even like a moment where they both said, you're right. They just carried on because they knew each other would be like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Um, he's so like invested. Yeah. But he's incredible in it. Yeah. Really this is a real standout performance, I think. Yeah. Um, this is one I was kind of surprised wasn't in his known for. Mm. The top four. Because even though this character doesn't appear... In the whole first act of the film, it's over an hour into the film before he even appears. Yeah. He's such a massive presence over the film and a major thing that you think... When I think of Django Unchained, this is something I think of. He's quite foreboding. Like, his, like the, his, the, his reputation proceeds. Yeah, they talk it? about him a lot. He casts yeah. a long shadow uh, on this film. And yeah, this is a real standout performance for me. Yeah, I love it. Talking of standout performances... Right. Are we on to The Revenant next? We're just going to talk about The Great Gatsby. Oh, The Great Gatsby came out between. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't have any notes on this film, which I've seen and don't have many memories of because I wasn't overly enamored with it. Like I said about Romeo and Juliet, I'm not a massive fan of Baz Luhrmann as a director. Uh, but I think you quite liked this, didn't you? Oh, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now it's The Revenant. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It was a bit like... I don't remember it that well. Twenty it came out in twenty thirteen. Yeah, it was all right. It was nothing like memorable for me. Mm. It's a classic storyline, a classic book, classic yeah. character that's been played by many people. So he probably thought, well, this is my chance to have a crack at this role. Yeah. Which like Robert Redford's played Gatsby and there's been multiple yeah. performances of this. So I guess this was his chance at doing that. But yeah. for me it was just the way the film was made. Like like I said, Baz Luhrmann as a director doesn't do it for me. I think I'd need to watch it again to mm. give a better review yeah i have no need to watch it again so yeah wolf of wall street oh wolf of wall street next to that which we've already spoke about yeah man that's it's like i'm itching to get onto the revenant <laughs> okay yeah so next is the revenant okay 2015 phew i watched this for the first time yes this is another one i've seen before and you watched this for the second time yep it's harrowing yes absolutely like an onslaught on your senses the entire time you're watching it. We watched this over an afternoon and you had to keep like pausing it. <laughs> yeah. Also like weirdly, re weirdly resonated because we went to uh, America like late last year and I'm mm -hmm. reading a book sort of about the people who like settled the West. Mm -hmm. So this was like really prevalent mm -hmm. and I just sort of like, struck a chord on a couple of different like levels like we'd been there we'd seen like the uh, landscape and stuff like that and then I'm reading this book about how their all their stuff is just getting like washed away and you know they're um, surviving in the wild and this is basically that it's you know um, Leonardo plays a frontiersman in the 1820s yeah he's a tracker he's the tracker of the group yeah so um, and he unfortunately gets mauled by a bear very early on which is an absolutely excruciating experience it to watch as well brutal. as brutal yeah. I remembered watching it the first time when it came out and thinking oh my god that bear scene like yeah. wincing and curling up on the sofa and stuff and oh when you think it's over it's not quite over yeah and then thinking and then when it came up again I was like oh I'm anxious for it and then I forgot just how raw it is yeah and he plays alongside Tom Hardy, who plays mm -hmm. an absolute, like, despicable character and is brilliant as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, it's really interesting. Well, actually, um, so when they were filming it, him mm. and Tom Hardy, so they were together in Inception. So they yeah. worked together before. Uh, but when they were filming this, Leo said to Tom Hardy, um, he said, you're definitely going to get nominated for an Oscar for your performance in this. And Tom Hardy's like, no, 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 I don't think I will. He's oh, like, really? Yeah, he's like, I bet you will. Like, I'm willing to put a bet on it. So they made a bet yeah. together. And the loser would have to get a tattoo of the other one's choice. <laughs> and in the end, Tom Hardy was nominated. Right. So he had to get a tattoo of Leo's choice right. on his body, which he has. And he just has uh, the words Leo knows best tattooed on him now. That's amazing. <laughs> But yeah, Leo says this is the hardest performance of his career. Yeah. For real. I think like you said that they had to, they just stayed out yeah. outside like for um, long periods of time. And so like... he caught flu whilst filming like several colds, had to keep working through because it's like part of it. Like, yeah, yeah, your character would have this illness. He would be sniffing and snorting and feeling like shit. It's Carry on working, Leo. Genuine math- method acting. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I've got a little fact here, which I'm reading from IMDb. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio chose to devour a raw slab of bison's liver in, in that scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even though he's actually vegetarian. Uh, he also had to learn to shoot a musket, build a fire, speak two Native American languages, Pawnee and Arakara, and study with a doctor who specializes in ancient healing techniques. That's crazy. He calls it the hardest performance of his career. Good reason as well. It's absolutely harrowing. But this is the one he finally won his Oscar for. Yeah. Despite having this role having the fewest amount of words he says in any <laughs> film yeah it is an outstanding performance mm. like it really is Just- and he can't talk for a good chunk of it because his throat is ripped out by the bear so, yeah. Yeah. but it, it was almost like he doesn't need it just like no. the performance in his facial expression and everything it's and- a strange lonely journey and the lengths that he goes to to survive yeah despite everything stacking up against him Literally anybody else could have had half the shit that happens to him on that and like died quite easily. Hmm. And this is based on a real man. That's insane. Uh, they took some liberties with the plot and stuff, but it, the, the heart of it is based on a, a true on true events. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but this is a great film. Um, mm. And definitely it's one of them where it's like, I wouldn't ever say it's one of my favorite films, but it's like one that everyone should watch. And it's an incredible performance. And it's a grueling... Like, you feel like you've gone through, like, a grueling expedition. Yeah, it's just, like, enthralling. Like, you just can't look away. Mm. And, yeah, I had to keep pausing it because I just couldn't deal with, like, the stress and, like, anxiousness of it. Yeah. (laughs) So, did you like it, though? In, like, a... a, I hate this. Yeah, I did enjoy it. Mm. I hated it and I loved it at the same time. Because there was quite a few moments where you were like looking away from the screen and yeah. covering your eyes. Like when he has to seal, seal his throat his up throat with up. the gunpowder. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone also, should see this in their life at least once. I'm just like, you could get like a mosquito bite in 1820 and die. Yeah. Like anything could happen. Like there's no, there's nothing to help you heal. There's no doctors or whatever. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's so accurate as well, I think. Like the, the like the time it was set. Yeah, it, when the the they were everything is used with natural light mm. in this film. Um, so it's directed by Inyarita, who we've spoke about. He's a great director, but he gets an idea in his head, and that's how we're making the film. Mm. And for this one, it was like it's all natural light, but we're doing it on location, all this stuff, and it made the shoot go on for much much longer than it was intended to, and the, made the budget go on for much longer. But it longer. pays off in the end result. Yeah, you know, it's it's so real. It's a very unique looking film. Yeah, it's very 
Yeah, it's very like one of a kind. Mm. I don't know any other films that feel quite like this. Yeah. But yeah, we, it was a grueling f- shoot and it means he didn't make another film for four years. Yeah, he had a bit of a break. And that film only came out last year. Yeah. And it is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which, I mean... Another Tarantino. Anyone who listens to this podcast already knows that I love this film. Yeah. I've talked about it a fair bit. Oh, man, it's so <laughs> I good. I adore this film. It's great. Just go and listen to our Tarantino thing. Yeah, the Tarantino about. bonus pod. We also Basically talked about it a lot it in our films of the year 2019. It's incredible. He The Oscars were recently, so we now know that he was nominated for this, didn't win. Brad did. Brad won. Yeah, his co-star. This His role in this, um, he plays an actor who isn't necessarily a great actor. He's sort of like at the tail end of his career, isn't he? Yeah, but Leo actually said it's kind of, it was harder to play. You have to play someone who's not very talented, basically, but right. is trying very hard, yeah. which is quite a specific really, yeah, thing to try niche. and do. Yeah, that is hard. So Tarantino, which is really uncommon for a Tarantino film, he let him sort of have some moments of unscripted right, okay. performance. So like uh, when he, we actually said it when we saw the film where he goes into his uh, caravan, he's sort of like putting himself down and like shouting and mm-hmm. slamming around. And we said it felt really unscripted for a Tarantino film. And yeah. it was, that whole thing was unscripted. He just, wow. go nuts, I'm going to film you. Yeah. Do what you want to do. lines and burst yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people well you're drinking all night fucking drinking again eight goddamn fucking whiskey sours <sighs> fucking bullshit <laughs> you're a fucking miserable drunk you fucking remembering your fucking lines i practiced them and now i don't look like i goddamn practiced them you're sitting there like a fucking baboon <laughs> And um, see if it works, kind of thing. When he's trying, when they're doing the rehearsals, when they're trying to film, and he's forgetting his lines and stuff, mm-hmm. that was Leo trying to. He was like, Embody. I don't know how to make it look like this guy isn't an accomplished actor, right? So he was like, I'm oh, making him forget his lines and things like that. That wasn't in the script. That was mm-hmm. all like he was given the freedom to do that to try and. It's like subtle things that, that actually make a really make the character more plaus- plausible. Yeah, line. Go, go, go fetch her and tell her what? Go fetch her and tell her I'll give her a fat $5 gold right, piece. Right, right. Go fetch her and tell her I'll give her a fat, fat, five, fat $5 gold piece. She'd play her little chili pepper heart out, right? right. Got it. <clears throat> I ain't going to hurt her. I just want her to play the fiddle. Now go fetch her and tell her I'll give her a fat $5 gold piece. She'd play her little chili pepper heart out. Gone. But um, I love this film. Um, stars alongside Margot Robbie again. They worked together in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I think a lot of it was quite um, like misadvertised though when it came out. I think, yeah, I feel like because it's sort of loosely based on like the Sharon Tate mm-hmm. murder. If you don't know about that, you'll sort of not get the full. Mm. You won't appreciate it as much. 
But this is all stuff we spoke about on our films of 2019 yeah. a lot, though. Leonardo was But in great. terms of his performance in it, like, it's great. Yeah. I just love this film. Um, the shot with the flamethrower. Right. And he shoots off and then his reaction to it, that's all genuine. Like, that oh, was... really? They just gave him a flamethrower and that was his genuine reaction to shooting that flamethrower off and it just made Tarantino laugh. So he's like, I'm actually going to use that as your character's reaction to the flamethrower. What did so he, I can't remember that. what he said. He was like, holy shit or something. Yeah. All right, that's too hot. Anything we can do about that heat? Rick, it's a flamethrower. Yeah. Yeah, that was really funny. But I think we've said so much about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on this yeah. podcast before. There's not a lot more to say other than this is a great film. Yeah. And really, I just, I like I said before, I feel like people don't love this film as much as I do. And I want everyone to love this film. <laughs> and and that's it. We're, we're up to date. Yeah, he's got a couple of bits that like filming and stuff, but um, that are sort of coming out. Yeah, he's doing a Roosevelt film, right? Yeah, a couple of other bits for TV uh, mm-hmm. and things like that. But um, so let's decide if we think that the uh, current top four are worthwhile. Yeah, we'll have our little break. We'll decide our favourites and, and come back. Yeah. So, do you want to go first? What were your favourites? You want me to go first with my favourites? Yeah. Okay, so um, this is, as usual, when we do our favourites, this is in no particular order. Yeah. We do our four favourite films. Yeah. And then we'll decide on what we think are the four, which should be His the name. ones they are known for. If you put their four films at the top of IMDb and like these are the four films, yeah. you should judge them by their career. They on. might not necessarily be our favourite films not our at favorites. all, but uh, yeah. <laughs> What okay, you, so what are your favorites? My four favorites I've got here. Right. And this was really hard because he's, he's done a lot. a lot of films yeah. that I love. But I've come down to, surprise, surprise, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. They're the two that I think everyone's guessing I'm going to put up here. So yeah. bang on about more time. Okay. The other two are The Aviator. Right. And Inception. Okay. That's my four favorites. Okay. I had a few that were close. Yeah. Um, the others that were I was considering were The Departed. Yeah. This Boy's Life. Yeah. And Django Unchained. Okay, so my favourites are really similar. This Boy's Life. Oh, it's in your top four. Yeah, I wow. loved it. And I just thought because he was so young and yet he showed such like promise. It's my favourite of his young acting roles. Yeah. I loved it. Uh, Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. The Aviator. Mm-hmm. And Django. Django. So you went for Django over Once Upon a Time. Yeah, I think because his character's more powerful and like... Like the, his character, yeah, it's just more um, leaves a bigger impression on me. Yeah. So, were there any that were like close for you then? What were? Um, probably Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And um, maybe What's Eating Gilbert Grape. I thought that was mm-hmm. a great film. Yeah. Mm. So, quite similar. But uh, what? So, what, the ones I actually think should be on his known for are really a different, different. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so his current uh, IMDb top four is Inception, yeah. The Departed, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. And Titanic, yeah. Can we agree? There? Can we agree to boot Titanic out? Oh, I left Titanic in. I just don't think he's not very good in it. But I, it's his most. When you think of Leo, I think everybody just synonymously goes to Titanic. Do you know what I think should just boot Titanic out? Right. Because that, I think that for a long time that is the one that everyone thought of him for. Right. Because it is it's like um, a one of the biggest like films a, of all time. Yeah, his character isn't very interesting, in it and his no. performance is not very good. 
I think it should be booted out for another epic, sprawling film, which right. has a very good performance by him, and he fucking won an Oscar for. Boot uh, Titanic out and put The Revenant in. I agree that The Revenant should be in this top four. Okay, so, so we're agree- in agreement with one already. Right. <laughs> okay. Revenant is definitely yes. He won an Oscar for it. He's awaited, you know, he's been waiting for one for a long time. And then, like I said, there's nothing like this film. No, no. Okay, so Revenant, yes. I also think Gangs of New York should be in there. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because he is his role is so because prominent it's the in it. transformative role we yeah. sort of said. And he like you just focus on him the entire time, um, and it's a big, it's a big role for him. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. First time of Scorsese as well, which is mm-hmm. quite important. So I've um, I put Wolf of Wall Street in here. Yeah, so because did I. of how much he dominates that film. Yeah. Even though it's not one of my favourites, like I said, I don't actually love that film all that much, but I, I think, do think it's such a beloved film. And it's a great showcase of his like talent. Yeah, yeah, he has highs and lows in that film. Right, okay, so we've got two. Um, another one that I thought was Django Unchained. Yeah, okay. First time of Tarantino, even though I prefer Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think now. You think Django This one be? is a really, it's a villainous performance. That's and it true. is an over-the-top performance. Okay. And it's like nothing else in his career. Okay, so I'll put that there instead of Gangs of New York. Sure. Yeah. I think you're right. Because well, I was just like, oh, you don't really see him for like half the film. But, but, then, you, but like but we said, his do... shadow cast over that whole yeah. film. Okay. So they're the, the three that we've actually just decided on are the three that I had as I wanted definite in there. Revenant, Wolf of Wall Street, Django Unchained. The next one, I've got a few maybes. So yeah, okay. what, what would you put forward? What about Catch Me If You Can? Interesting. Because it's a similar, like, light-hearted film. It's not like a rom-com or anything, but neither is Titanic, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting one. He plays alongside Tom Hanks. He's really good and, like, varied and articulate in it. So that's an. I had Inception as a question mark. Right. But that's more about the plot than the character. I think because it's such an ensemble piece. Yeah, I think you're right. I like when I think of Inception, I don't think of Leonardo. Here's one. I I love the Aviator. I'm almost like the Aviator should be in there. Mm. Here's one. How about to give some um, props to his younger career? Right. Was he in Gilbert Grape? Yeah, I could go for that. It's such an obscure role. I don't think it would ever be in his top four, but I think it's a really. But easy, lots of people love unit. that film. Yeah, it's a beloved film, and he's playing such a different character. Yeah, and if you put that alongside the other ones we've got, think of how different these characters are: Wolf Wall Street, Django Unchained, The Revenant, What's in Gilbert Grape. Grape. Yeah, I think that's it could a pretty sit good nicely. spread. Yeah. All right then. Let's say that What's in Gilbert Grape. Do you want to go for that? Yep. That's weird because the known four are not none no, of those four in mind. No, Wolf of Wall Street is in there. That's the only no, one. Um, as in my favourites. Oh, my right. top four is completely different right. to the ones that. Let me just have another look at this, see if there's anything else I'd consider. I mean, The Departed is great as well. I think it'll be great. You're okay. right, because it's All like right. a really varied lineup then. All right. So we've got as. So do my, my top four again. We'll just run through again. Right. So my top four Inception, Catch Me If You Can, The Aviator, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. Becca, your top four? My top four. This Boy's Life, Catch Me If You Can, The Aviator, and Django Unchained. And our final known four yep. are... Gilbert Grape. The Revenant. Wolf of Wall Street. And Django Unchained. So, yeah. That's a big selection of films there. I know. There's so many good ones in here. 
It's really um, difficult. Again, because this boy's life was so high, surprisingly, in, a, in our esteem at the end of that. Yeah. Thanks again to Mark for suggesting that one to us. Yeah. And thanks to everyone who suggested films. We had such a great interaction with the audience on this one. So if there's any... Uh, so what's coming up next? Our next episode? Liv Tyler. So Becca's choice for an actress for our next episode was Liv Tyler, which mm-hmm. is was a uh, surprising choice. Yeah. I think there's no mystery in the fact that you've chosen that to make us rewatch Lord of the Rings. Which we did. Which we already have. Back to back last weekend. We had um, people in the UK will know that we've been suffering from the worst storms in what feels like forever we live right by the river and it's been raging and we've been not wanting to leave the home so we stayed in all last weekend and watched Lord of the Rings good use of our time but that's why you chose Liv Tyler and it'd be interesting to see what other things she's been in kind of how neither of us has seen Titanic neither Mm. of us have seen Armageddon right that's on the cards for this afternoon so I think we're going to watch that today yeah but we'd love to know if you've got any any suggestions yeah hidden gems any of Liv Tyler's hidden gems to me, most of her back catalogue are going to be hidden gems because I don't know much of her stuff yeah, she's been Yeah, no, me in. neither. I've only seen her in a few other roles, which I liked her in. Yeah. So I'd be interested to see what else yeah. is there to sink my teeth into. So would really appreciate recommendations on this one. Yes. We've got a month. and Which means you need to... What are you going to say? Well, first of all, I'd like to know what are her current known for, for top four? So Armageddon, mm-hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Right. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. and Strangers. Strangers. It's a horror film, right? I don't know anything about it. I've not seen okay. it. Okay, we'll look into that. So I've seen now, well, I've seen Lord of the Rings multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, Armageddon, we're going to watch this afternoon. Yeah, I've not seen I, that either. I so. don't know about The Strangers, so watch that. And then we'll dig through her back catalogue. Yep. After that, it's my choice. So, that, yeah, that means you reveal your first f- one of two. I've got a little bit of a theme for my next two choices. Okay. So, um... I love Europe. Okay. My favorite place in the world. So I'm picking two actors from Europe, Europe as my next choice. My Yay. number, my actor. Right. I'll, I'll, re- I'll reveal my actress on the next episode. Yeah. My actor yep. is from my absolute favorite European country. Right. Austria. Right. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> so it'll be a real different selection of films. Lots of classic action films. To watch through. Oh my god. This is just like gratuitous. You can watch all of the Terminators again. Um, I, <laughs> Terminator 2 is one of my favourite films of all time. I'm going to lay that out on the right here. That's definitely going to be <laughs> my top four for that one. But yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger after that. So that'll be a real, really fun. a real different one for us to do, I think. I'm looking forward to that. So um, I think we're done. Cool. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, Liv Tyler recommendations. If you want to get in contact with those recommendations, you can do at known4pod at gmail.com or you can go to known, is it known known4pod.com or known4pod.com or you can talk to me on Twitter. I had quite a lot of Twitter interaction on this one. It's at Bob Shoy. That's at B-O-B-S-H-O-Y. Follow me on there and have a conversation. Let me know what you would recommend for Liv Tyler or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Thanks, see you. And I think we're done. Bye-bye. I'm not the fucking rat, okay? I'm not the fucking rat. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.